All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Stories from Mountain Town. And we are live streaming this episode for the first time ever. We got camera going for the YouTube. We got phone going for the live stream. We got Ryan Brown in town. What's up, Ryan? Welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here, man. Finally. Finally yes. making it happen. Finally. Which is the, you're one of my first guests that has actual experience with like microphones. And so, <laughs> so, so many of my guests... And, and just like talking into a microphone. Yeah. So many of my guests are like nervous about they have nothing to say or or like the dynamic here. But you were like, yeah, I'm coming and I need to be in the podcast. Yeah, I think that was my second text. I yeah. think you were like, hey, what weekends can you come out? Labor Day weekend works. Yeah. I'm going to be a podcast guest. Exactly. Sure. It was one of my six-month hobbies. Was, yes. Uh, are you still doing recordings? Not right now. I'm on hiatus. No. I'll come back. It, would they Would they call that like a... Like a like a vocal vacation or something like if like if singers just take a break so their vocal cords right. can I'm, rest. I'm in between projects. Vocal recuperation. We'll say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you and Darren are big beer, big craft beer fans. We are. So we had to bring you to Snake River Brewing, sponsor of the podcast, Love friends that. of the podcast. You actually met Elliot and Luke. Have been on the podcast. Provide me with all the beer that I drink here, and they're great guys. Love them. Um, so we have today Snake River Pale Ale. Have you had this one yet here? I have not actually, and I'm glad we saved it for the yeah. show. Good. This, Doing this a live is review. So I think so. Earned it is probably number one for me. This is number two. Okay. This is up there. So let's pour our drinks. I'm excited. And I have that. mine. I'm drinking mine out of a a pint glass with the Stark Direwolf on it. Hopefully you guys can hear me in the live stream because there's people on there, but I don't know if the audio is okay because <laughs> we're worried about this audio. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll pour our cups. All right, let's do it. Let me see if I can maybe get it in the camera. I'll show the camera once I pour. Yeah. We'll get the Ryan color. worked at a beer, uh, like a tap room, so he knows how to pour. I poured beer for about six months. So I had a little <laughs> bit of experience. Yeah, oh, that mine was bad. And mine was bad. Floats right to the top. Mine was bad. Our guests can see. Yeah. Beautiful head. Beautiful head. Pale ale. Nice, nice head. What you'd expect. Nice golden color. Yeah. A lot of hops on the nose. I love yeah. that. That's a strong pale ale. That's a mountain town type that's, of style. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, we should we should uh, we should plug your guys' thing. So like I said, you guys are big beer fans. You started an Instagram page called Beers of the Browns. Now, just talk about what you do on the page, why you started it, like where you want it to go. Right. So Darren and I, you know, we, we just got married last October. We had a beer theme going strong in our wedding, a beer flight of our four favorite beers. So we just thought with all this stuff that we're doing, going out to experience new breweries, try new beers, uh, Minneapolis and Minnesota in general has a great beer scene. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to kind of share that with people, save the experience for ourselves and see where it goes from there. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, because you know, you guys aren't working any less, but a lot of people are working a little bit less, maybe thinking about some hobbies. Yeah. We're definitely or, home more. Yeah. You know? Or yeah. even just like the, the idea of just, you're not running so much, doing as many activities because you just yeah. can't really do a lot that these hobbies are coming out. And what better way to like make a hobby something you could, you could do something with than create an Instagram page. Exactly. So what's the handle? At Beers with the Browns? At Beers with the Browns. I'm surprised that wasn't taken. Uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it's it's the alliteration, which is good for marketing. Yeah. Everyone knows that. And I have like the most common last name yeah. in the world. Like Smith so, and then Brown. Right. Yeah. So it um, but that's outstanding. Yeah. So this is so ho- we can pull the video and you can post this to it. Yeah, but definitely. do your do your full review of of the Snake River Pale Ale right now. Yeah, excellent. So the pour was great. I know we already kind of introed it with looking at a nice inch, inch and a half tan head, which is what you want on a pale ale. Great, clear, golden color. Mm-hmm. Like I said, really strong with hops on the front. Almost a little spicy, a little spicy. fruity. It's got a lot of depth, and I like that. So let's see. Let's taste. Can we cheers? Yeah, we you got we a can. little got a little suds in your beers there, bud. Leave that for later. <laughs> and I, wanna, I don't know about I, the I don't know about the spice, but I would say it has a fruity touch, a citrus touch. Yeah. So I wanted to originally say beers with the Browns, the one sip review. A thing with alcohol, the first sip is never quite what it's actually going to be. It's kind of coat the palate, take mm-hmm. the first sip. The second sip is what is going to be the beer experience yeah the whole way so take the second sip take the second sip while you're doing that i'm going to put our light up i don't think we put our light up yet high production value on this show <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we have a pop what is this brand pop sonic makeup mirror that taylor uses but looky here it's got a ring light so one second ryan keep talking you about the beer set that up i'm going to keep going with the flavor profile nice clean crisp mouthfeel you're right. The spice does not carry through what I was smelling on the nose, but definitely some fruit, a lot of great hops, really evenly balanced, a little bit a little bit of maltiness right at the end. Yeah. A really great, well-balanced pale ale. I think this was one of their one of their originals. I don't know if this is is this the do you think this is the awards for this beer? If so, if this so. beer has won a gold and two silvers at the Great American Beer Festival. And two golds and a bronze, or no, yeah, a bronze at the World Beer Cup. So very, very highly awarded beer. Well, well right received. Here. Well received. Yeah. Make sure you get the sticker for your water bottle. I will. I have the rest of them right and here. And something that was brought up to me on the last podcast from, from uh, Chaz and Trav, Snake River Brewing is the most awarded small brewery in America. In America. <laughs> I have a lot of Minnesotans out there listening more than surly more than anyone that you think in minnesota like I, and I, th- i'm not trying to brag this is just i i learned this just last facts. week and i drink there a it's lot yeah. and they they don't like tout it as much as others might a lot of places would say that's the only reason to drink them is the awards they more push you just here's what we're here's what we have to offer drink it or don't like <laughs> they're gonna be okay mm-hmm. and i thought that was really cool and, and Jazz and Trav actually said the same sentiment last week. Yeah, they're very uh, modest, humble. Modest. They're they're humble. Humble, humble about yeah. Their beer. yeah. Yeah, and you'd think, and, and maybe I need just need to get in the ear of Elliot. Elliot, you don't have to be so humble on marketing. Marketing is a time to brag about the brewery because it's a great, great partner and great company. Um. Yeah. Anything else in the beer? It's fantastic. Find it, it fantastic. and drink it. Find and drink it. I need to look up what states they're in. I don't know exactly what states they're in. Maybe Minnesota. If not, message me anywhere and I'll send you some because you need to have this stuff. It's, fan- it's fantastic. Um, so 
you guys have been in Jackson for uh, since Thursday. Came in Wednesday night. Came in Wednesday night. Yep. We've kind of done we've kind of done all the 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 trip number one stuff. We've done we went to Yellowstone. We went to Grand Teton National Park. We went we hiked in the village. We did town. We did a couple of the restaurants. We did Snake River Brewing. We did Jackson Hole Stillworks. What now you can look back and say and think, what was your what was your first experience seeing the Tetons, seeing town, seeing Jackson? What did you feel when you first came here? So my first experience was pretty amazing because we came in, uh, we connected from Minneapolis through Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and we came in pretty much like nine o'clock. It was right about when we landed. So when we were coming in, dropping into the valley, descending to land, yeah, I saw the sunset kind of just paint a nice ribbon of red Mm -hmm. right behind the tetons yeah and so that was my first experience that set a really high bar yeah for the rest of the (laughs) week of what i was going to be seeing yeah and so i knew right then and there like this is where i'm supposed to be like this is going to be a great weekend yeah and then the next day we went out um for those who know by shadow mountain which is kind of just across the valley from the grand set up some set up our camping table set up some snacks and beers a little charcuterie charcuterie um taylor if you're listening my, this one was nothing near what you would make. I had almost zero effort into this. It was not pretty. It was just some of the meat and cheese that I had left and I think some stale crackers. So Taylor still owes you one of those. She's way better at them than me. A reason to come next time. Yeah. And and we just hung there until like it was like almost pitch black when we left. We just pretty much. Yeah. It was like not too cold to watch this, just watch the sunset the entire time and the dogs would be running around and hanging out. I love, I love doing that. Yeah. We were just watching people trying to get campsites right at dark, mm-hmm. see them come back 10 minutes later. Yeah. It's a busy spot. It's, it's probably, I don't know how well known it is in the, in the ether of tourists, but those that know about it, it's the number one spot to be. Cause you all, everyone wants to see the grand while they're camping and to wake up with the grand out, right out your tent door when you'd see a sunrise right because we saw it set behind the mountains we were facing west right yeah so you'd see yeah. the sun come up on that face of the tetons yeah they, they like they like glow orange yeah when, on the sunrise yeah. and then since you're up if you, depending on the site you have you can see to the east too if you're high enough up and so you could see the sun rising from that angle too because sure. the gravant the gravant mountains on that side are very cool as well yeah Definitely. yeah so then um Yellowstone. That was your first time in Yellowstone. We had a mission of we needed to find you the big three animals, a moose, a bison, and an elk. Yep. And we achieved that pretty quickly. Yeah. Almost within the first, I'd say, hour into the drive. Yeah, we saw the mo- a moose and a buffalo before we got to Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and then you saw some elk in the drive and then uh, we saw like one random one there right now is a tough time for elk because I think they're moving he- down here. Right. They go up to Yellowstone and there's meadows you can find them in, in the summer. But then right now they're just kind of moving to those big forested areas you well, grow through. It's bow season now too, isn't it? Weren't we talking to, yeah. who was it at, at Stillworks that we were Mike. talking to? Yeah. Mike. Mike. He was yeah. out this morning bow hunting. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know it was that early. I mean, yeah. this is where September, September 6th. Yeah. And maybe it's just a Minnesotan of me thinking that like hunting is like later, but yeah. Typically and he had a, and he had a tag for like, what do you say he was? He was like in Wilson somewhere, mm-hmm. which is wild that he's like hunting near where I, where I live, where we are right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
that kind of hunting is a, t- a totally different game especially out here it's a lot different than what it is in minnesota yeah it's exciting i'd love to come back and, and do it sometime i'm not the person to get you out there no i don't know how, what i'm doing i've never hunted or i've hunted twice one time my college roommate and i just like walked around the woods near duluth and we like shot at a tree sure. and then another time we went duck hunting the day after opener and there was nothing there like we just sat there in, in the water duck hunting can be cold and it can get cold really fast yeah i remember uh, i was in north dakota and uh this one time this one time at duck camp <laughs> yes yes this one time at duck camp thank you tyler for any of you for any of you centennial high school graduates out there we used to sit at lunch so ryan and i are friends from high school maybe we should go into that do you want to tell the story of how we met let's start at the very beginning the very beginning gym class gym class who was our teacher was it mr dewitt i don't remember i think it's mr dewitt possibly remember him yeah oh yeah oh yeah crazy (laughs) hard ass but like i think he was just i think he was just fucking with everyone well, yeah, you'd see him like every third joke, he'd crack a little bit of a smile. Like, like old man, like, oh, you, I'm just funny. Just trying to let you know that he was joking. Yeah, yeah, but then he'd be like, get moving, yeah. like in the same sentence. Yeah. So you never really sure. Even the even like good kids he yelled at. So you never really sure. No. Not that I'm a good kid. I, I got yelled at for other reasons. <laughs> so we're in the lacrosse unit. Ryan's a, Ryan's a cross-country star. I'm a... <laughs> Pre, what wait? What grade is that? Tenth grade. Tenth grade. Tenth grade. So, I'm playing football. We don't know each other. We're both just tall and awkward, and we're like, we both need a partner. And we're like, hey, you want to be a partner? And then uh, I don't even really know. I I blacked out when we were talking, but it seemed to go. It seemed to go well. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like what, a first date. Nine years later, here we are. So yeah, it went well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't really know. I don't. I don't really know what like clicked to be like, I want to hang out with that guy, but like something did. Well, it's definitely that time where the the classes that you're in, you're really just kind of mingling with them because mm-hmm. we didn't have our license yet. We weren't driving yeah, yeah. And, and seeing and meeting new people all the time. So it was like we were in gym class. It's definitely the most social uh, class that you can have. It's not yeah. you know, math. You know, we're not hanging out over algebra. Yeah, and like that situation where like just we're just chatting, throwing yeah. a lacrosse ball. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then t- to the rest of high school was a whole bunch, whole bunch of bad decisions in my parents' house. <laughs> Chuck's basement. Thanks, Chuck's Chuck. basement. Uh, shout out to Chuck. He's he's actually in town right now. We just had dinner with him. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's been fun reminiscing this week about all those times because i don't do that often well i was kind of sad to hear that the uh sectional in your basement um there's a new is sectional. now gone i had you know good memories crashing on your couch that was my standard saturday I, night place to sleep. i think that first sectional is where is where covid started in america yeah because <laughs> that's gone now um me ryan cameron shannon christine five kids worth of booze and bad decisions friends parties. friends makeouts throwing up like all of that do we need to cut this part out no for, for the live audience only no. we already have jobs <laughs> um all of that on one couch it needed to go it did it did 
I'm surprised like the motor in the in the motorized recliner still worked <laughs> yeah. after this many years. Yeah. yeah, that it just wasn't broken in half. That nobody like jumped on it, was bouncing on the back of it. Yeah. That's one thing we did well in all these study get togethers we had at Chuck's house. We always I always knew me, you, Stephen Piet, Al, like whoever, whichever who's ever the, you know, the what's it called in Meet the Fockers, the circle of trust or whatever. Sure. Whoever is it, who's ever there, the circle of trust, we knew we can kick anybody out that's being, that's, that's doing some bullshit. Right. Like they're not worth our time. No, no. They're not worth ruining a good thing. No, no. no. Um, yeah. And then, um, I was, I've always been disappointed once we get into college that I was never able to make it out to Grand Forks because you went to the University of North Dakota and, I actually had a trip, a weekend planned on the books, yeah. ready to go, and I'd tear my ACL yeah, that Wednesday. Something. What bad timing is that? Tragic happened. Yeah. yeah. I've always been disappointed that I wasn't ever able to make it out there. Well, and that would have been, would that have been around Halloween? What what time of year would that, that have been? Because I think we it were planning. the week before Thanksgiving. I was so pumped for you to come out. We were planning a theme party. No! For you to be out there during that time, no, we had it all lined up. You're we breaking my heart. Up. I know. I couldn't. Well, what I couldn't, kind of theme I, was it? Like Hawaiian, oh. like athletes, athletes. Some, some, you know, Damn kind of it. like every every semester we would have like one big party, usually themed, and it was kind of like the weekend night. No. Yeah. Sorry to break your heart this many years later. That is yeah. terrible. If you would have told me that, I would have gone up there anyways. Yeah, because Cr- crutches and all. Well, because I think I still went out that weekend. Like as like I was just right. like depressed going out. Well, what knee was it again? My right knee. Right knee. So you couldn't really like gas pedal. You'd have been driving with your left foot five hours across the state. I think I still drove then because oh, after yeah. your AC, like once the like soreness and pain subdues. Really, it's fine like, to like be using it still. A little bit. Like I would have a brace on, okay. and I would have bring brought crutches but sure. i went out to bars that weekend okay because i was just like at home i was just pissed i was just like i need to do something oh, now you're breaking my heart that you still went out but couldn't come see me i know i was i was worried like literally it was a weekend where uh steven if you're listening steven we were with like steven piet bobby Todd calvig in minneapolis and then like steven's augsburg buddies somebody hit some one of the centennial guys and it was stupid and i'm just like there with a bum knee like trying to just keep let's just keep the right. girls out of this yeah because i'm as useless as they are <laughs> with a bum knee i don't i can't help i can't fight anybody I mean, did you have crutches i mean that's that's something. no i just oh. had a knee brace oh well useless that doesn't help no <laughs> i was useless i was just like all right let's get the girls let's get out of here yeah, yeah. let's go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> um but that yeah th- again that that disappointed me because that because you know my my uh, my love for the fraternity culture, right? And I've been to there's a well, there's like two fraternities in Duluth, and I've been to one of them a couple times. But I've always felt like an honorary Sigma Chi because of our relationship. Sure. And I think one night when we were we had a couple, you you Did reluctantly not. granted we'll me cut this out. No, you reluctantly granted me honorary Sigma Chi status. That is a beer induced <laughs> failure on my part. Yeah, I don't know if you were I don't <laughs> no, if you were president or I'm not, kidding. I don't know if you have the power to do that. No, it was it was definitely a big part of my life at the perfect time. 
Like that is an age mm-hmm. where it's like being a part. It's like you being on a football team. That was, yeah. that was my team and it was a big part of my life. And yeah, I wanted to share that with you. Looking back now, I, I like being on the other side of it, being outside of it, having the friends that I have being mm-hmm. on the other side of it. It was great. Um, but we'll have more parties in the future. Yeah, that's kind of how I view like all of the craziness of college. Right. It was a lot of fun in the moment. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like doing onto something next and better. Like that's instead of like a Saturday where we like day drink and play beer darts, my Saturday is like go climb the middle Teton. Sure. Absolutely. Still drink after. Right. <laughs> but like let's just do something that's a little bit bigger in the scope of things. A little more meaningful. Something to like that you can look back on and reflect on. Yeah. Like, that was a great day. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I was going to say something. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So so people sometimes ask me, like, were you in a fraternity in college? And I just say, kind of. I was on a football team. Kind. Yeah. And, like, we didn't have the house of – how big was your house? I think we had, at the peak, 28 or 32 people living in. Yeah. So we never had a big house like that. But, you know, there was the three or four senior senior houses of, like, yeah. four or five guys. Right. And those were kind of the spots. Like, yeah. you would have your spot every week, and we just had – a couple of rotating spots. Yeah. And, and senior year for me, we were right by campus. So ours was a main spot. Yeah. And so we definitely had the dynamic where you, you know, you have friends day one. Yep. Um, you do have to earn it. We don't, we don't have to go into your hazing stories if you don't want to. <laughs> we'll leave those aside. We can leave those aside. Go join a fraternity if you want to figure those out. And it wasn't hazing. Yeah. It was not, they have a strict, they have a strict, strict no they have a strict policy. no hazing policy at Sigma Chi of North Dakota. <laughs> Is that, are we good? Does, yes. Is our PR covered? That's a disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. I'm not a medical professional. <laughs> we are not medical <laughs> professionals and they have a strict no hazing policy. Um, but we had to earn it just like you guys had to. Yeah. Whether it's just through, you know, busting your ass in the field or just being there for your brothers or the occasional forced I- I- alcohol from a senior. Like that happens. That And, and you it, have to continue to earn it too. Like I know we're joking about you know, drinking and parties and, but it's like, if you didn't keep your grades up, just like on a football team, mm-hmm. you're out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's over. Yeah. There's a reason fraternities are all like, it's, it's like a, it's like a junior networking event for four years because you're there building relationships of a bunch of guys that are going to do great things. Typically it's very involved students yeah. or students who want to be involved. were the most involved through the remaining years of being at college mm-hmm. Typically, you know, business majors at North Dakota is a lot of aviation students, but very, you know, aviation students that wanted to be well connected for the future. And so it was a big deal to kind of keep that for all four years, five for me. Um, <laughs> that's accounting. But uh, is yeah. that, did you start, you didn't start with accounting day one, did you? I didn't. I started with economics. Yeah. Um, switched about four more times. <laughs> And then landed on uh, accounting. Accounting. So I don't know if I've told any account. Maybe I told some accounting jokes during my brother's episode. Now's the time. But no, I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make jokes. But the audience may know the jokes I make about accountants, and you certainly know. My brother certainly knows. I have a lot. I actually have a lot of accountant friends, like you, Ryan, bunch of Scholastica guys. Yeah. I make jokes about them all the time. What was the thought process when you were like, you know, you know, you want to do business economics, maybe isn't your route. I want to audit or review tax returns for businesses. 
uh, for my career? So that's a really good question. And I've been reflecting on it, funny enough, <laughs> like lately. That's funny. Because, so as you know, I'm getting my master's now in economics. So I'm going back to school, mm -hmm. kind of changing my career trajectory again. And I'm realizing that what made me choose accounting in the first place and what would kind of make me, you know, steer away from that. And so being in a fraternity, it's typically, you know, pretty much at UND, it's you're either uh, an aviation student, so you're a pilot or air traffic control, mm -hmm. or you're an accounting major. Everything else after that is, is there like, that many? There's a lot, and especially in the business school, Whoa. it's like very predominantly an accounting school. Yeah. So it was almost difficult for me to not be an accounting student uh -huh. at UND. And I'm hanging out with these guys. I'm a freshman going into my sophomore year. I'm a sophomore now. And the juniors and the seniors and the guys that are graduating were accounting majors. And they already have jobs lined mm -hmm. up with the biggest firms in the world. And I'm going... Okay, I'm, I'm making this investment to go to UND. Uh, the goal of college is to get a job, mm -hmm. and a very stable, hireable, employable profession is accounting. So everything <laughs> just kind of like, it lined up for me. It made you, it... You need to see... Sorry to cut you off. You need to see the other guys, because <laughs> Will Ferrell's character, he's an accountant for the police department, yeah. because he said the same thing. He's like He like got he like got into his, his stories. He got into drugs when he was in college. He's like, and I had to totally turn it, turn it down. And I had to find the most stable job possible <laughs> accounting for law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anybody's seen the other guys out there, you'll know this is like the funniest part. <laughs> like the backstory of Will Ferrell's character, like makes the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, stability was stability was where my head was at. And you know, sophomore year comes around. Uh, I'm doing well in my fraternity. I'm holding positions. I'm a young person holding positions, which is a big deal. And they have career fairs at UND specifically for accounting majors. Accounting firms come in from all over mm -hmm. and start picking up the recruitment pipeline. And at these big firms with recruitment, they're looking at freshmen and sophomore students who have taken the principal's courses, have done well, and they're already looking to get them into a track of like leadership development programs to try and just get them into the firm to keep them, get them an internship, hire them on full time. They're trying to get. That's what my brother had that kind of internship. Exactly. It was like a summer internship yeah. for audit. Yeah. You're not doing much in, at that time. It was yeah. called like a leadership internship. There you go. Which was like dinners and cocktail hours internship yeah. and twins games internship. Yep. Exactly. That kid went to more Twins games in a summer than I've been to oh, in my yeah. life. I remember my internship. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. Basketball games, going out Fridays. Yeah. It was excellent. Then, you, yeah. then you, The joke is, you right, you take a pay cut when you become a full-time employee? You do. You do. Looking yeah. at just the hourly rate, and we can get into that if you want, talking about the hours you work in a tax busy season. But we're losing We're losing followers every moment we're talking about accounting anyways. We're not going into your hourly rate. Fair enough. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can if you want. You can if you want. Yeah. No, but uh, that's what got me there. And it's a very hard thing to, once you have, beginning your junior year, a internship lined up and you have three more years of school left, it's very hard mentally to say, oh, I'm going to go explore this other opportunity because I was really, um, you know, politically active. We don't have to get into like viewpoints and stuff for your viewers if you don't want to but very involved on different campaigns 
um, in North Dakota, attorney general, governor, very high level campaigns. And I was really interested in doing that kind of work as kind of a political operative, working in different cities to get you know voter outreach, um, build up a message, get rapport with the city. And so I had opportunities during the 2016 election to work for a variety of presidential candidates, but I turned those down because I have my opportunity at Deloitte, which looking back, everything has worked out yeah. fantastically. And I love where I'm at. I have a role that's really interesting in, in the field that I'm in, getting more education. So it worked out, but kind of looking back at my thought process, seeing some of the paths that maybe would have opened up, um, things could have been different for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, accounting did not lead me astray. <laughs> it worked was, out. Was there a moment, so you, you said that you liked the stability of it, but when you started doing it, whether it was like the, your third and fourth year classes or your internship, when you started doing it, was there a moment when you like, you just are vibing from like a nice balance sheet and you're just like, oh, this is fun or like, this is what I want to do. And that's a weird question for accounting. Fun. Fun is a strong word. (laughs) It is. I will absolutely say there is a sense of accomplishment. Talking about teams, fraternity, football team. um, That's going to (laughs) sound so dumb. (laughs) But how we handle uh, our workload is very much a very team atmosphere mm-hmm. we're all on the same floor of the building typically in just one wing of the office we're there from i usually was the first person into the office but I left. obviously because you're the best obviously turning the lights on every day yeah greeting but, the greeting the partner as he walked in after you exactly yeah that's why i got the job <laughs> but uh um, no so you know there's like 65 people we're all shoulder to shoulder we're all in our cubicles working together and on these individual returns or projects or whatever you have i was the staff i was the lowest level seniors are reviewing it manager and partner and you're very cohesive and so taking your team from january 1 to april 15th 14th 15th tax day you get a huge sense of accomplishment um, Mm. and working with that team now after the tax deadline you kind of look back and you're like hmm am I going to be able to do this again? And that and that's kind of what I guess drove me to uh, once I started full time getting into more of what's going to be the future, what's going to be next. Uh, and that's how I've kind of landed the role with technology. Do we have like a thousand people watching live? I don't know how many there are. There are people watching David Excellent. Miller. I see you're on there, David. What's up, buddy? Uh, you need to come out here and you need to come on the show. You'd be a good one. Um, Is he an accountant? Darren just said something. So Ryan's wife, Darren, is sitting on our hammock on my front porch, also watching this, making sure that our, we sound okay. Yeah. And she just sent in like a, the crying laughing emoji. Excellent. Um, thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, hon. Um, yeah, so tell the people what you do now. So you, you moved away from actual accounting, and yep. now what do you do? Now I'm in a very technology-focused role where, again, it's going to sound pretty dry but <laughs> i implement indirect tax. this is the sahara desert of podcast episodes <laughs> in- indirect tax software integrated into large financial accounting systems <laughs> <laughs> i've been planning that since you said you wanted to be on the podcast <laughs> 
putting a throw up noise somewhere yeah. in your career description. Yeah. So that is me. That's who I am. Yeah. yeah. And you're on the road uh, outside of a pandemic. You're on the road four or five days a week. Four every days a week. week. The typical consultant schedule. First flight out Monday. Last flight back. Flight back Thursday. Yeah. Um, whatever city the client is in. So I've been Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. I think that's it. Uh, a little stint in North Carolina. Yeah. That's that's where I've been all in two years. Yeah, we've we've been having interesting discussions on your trip here because in my role currently at FIS, I'm like selling consulting projects for FIS. So right. you're like I'm different types of projects, but I'm I would be like the one selling the projects you're on and it's right. an interesting dynamic where I know a little bit what you're yeah. doing, you know a little bit what I'm doing. Right. And even though we don't really do anything similarly, we can connect on that. And we've never really talked about it either. Like we've never, I mean, in all the times that we kind of like catch up, it's never the first thing on our list to say, oh, no. hey, like, you know, how's work going? Which I'm glad. I'm glad that like yeah. we typically brush past like, oh, how's work going? You know, what's, yeah. how, how's your week been? We typically jump forward to better things. Yeah, but, I need uh, I need three days to uh, exhaust everything else to get to that. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I'm way more concerned about like, you know, we wedding planning for right, you guys or right. like what's Darren doing yeah, or like yeah. what's it like living in downtown Minneapolis than I am like your current accounting system project. Exactly. Yeah. How's the team doing? Yeah. No, don't care about that. How's New Jersey? Yeah. That well, was a long one you were on. Yeah. That was, that was a full year. How's New Jersey? How's having Jersey mics in New Jersey? Is it good? Did, is there, it's is there great. an original spot? Uh, yeah. It's somewhere on the Jersey shore. So, did you did you go? No, it was a far away from where I was. I was in like north central New Jersey, at about forty five minutes west of New York City. So I was always in. Can we take some time to, to appreciate what in the world the show Jersey Shore was? I've been seeing some clips on social media from them from like their T shirt time thing that they had. Yeah, like. That is what years were that around? That was like our high school years, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, like eleventh, tenth, tenth, eleventh, maybe senior year. Yeah, I mean, it obviously ran into college, I think, because they had a lot of seasons. But, but that just that dynamic of that show is kind of insanity. It is, and it's kind of just the epitome of America at that time, and it's perfect in a time capsule. If you look back, yeah, and you just watch that show, you don't need you don't learn anything else yeah. about that time in the country you're mm -hmm. like yeah that was weird that was weird that was weird we all of america all of teenage america america hopped on this guido bandwagon we're and, wearing affliction shirts and i'm not ashamed to say that i spent many summer mornings or days watching jersey shore yeah too many too many too many for too both many. of us when they would have like the you know, 10, 12 episode uh, marathons. Yeah. Yeah. That was. And it was kind of like, although it was a bad example, it, it was when we were learning how to party. Like yeah. we didn't know how to party in ninth grade. Right. Jersey Shore comes on. We now know how to party. Yep. You do it with a whole bunch of hair gel, spray tan. Now we didn't do any of this anyways, but spray tans, affliction shirts, Stephen Piet still wears affliction shirts. I've proudly never owned an affliction shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, neither have I. But like, 
it was just like in one show, America was partying that way out of nowhere. And like, we didn't like vodka, but they drank vodka. So right. then we did. It was just like this. I didn't listen to house music, but they listened to house music. So I didn't dance like this. No. But then and I, then I danced. I still, I, I dance like that sometimes. <laughs> you got to beat the beat up. That's right. Oh, no. Oh, no. We got to, I got to talk to Jeff. So my buddy Jeff, he grew up in Philly, like we told you. And, uh, he his family had like a, a what do they call it? it? Not a lake house. They call it something else. Shore house, something like that. But on the Jersey Shore. Sure. So I got to ask him, like, was he doing that kind of stuff? Because oh, sure. he's he's 39, so he could be that age. He could be that age to do that kind of and stuff. That was how many years ago? 2008? 12 years? 20, he was, 27. He was our age He was now, our age. Back then. No, he's 30. He's 10 years older than us. But still. Still. I would love to hear his perspective on the Jersey Shore. Jeff, you're coming back on the podcast. We've been trying to get him back on because he was episode three, the, my first guest ever, okay. and hasn't been on since, even though I, like, I hang out with him like three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where should we go next? So we've covered Let me talk. School. Let me touch on the, the camera here. The camera's freaking out. Yeah, you do your thing. Keep talking. Keep, keep talking. The, keep the uh, equipment going. Yeah. I think we're going to need new beers here soon we just finished yeah. our first ones i think we're how far are we in we're 37 minutes in i think yeah. it's time for another beer yeah. uh darren if you're listening crack yourself a cold one too yeah anybody out there anybody out there, anybody out there crack a cold in, one in cyberspace that, that that'd be like an old like a 90s radio show thing we haven't even touched on it. it's labor day weekend oh yeah Labor Day weekend, people. God bless honor America. Those, what do we honor on Labor Day? Workers? Workers. And I think in a global pandemic, it's right to uh, toast to the frontline workers, healthcare workers. Yeah. So let's crack these open. Yeah. Taylor, my, my dear girlfriend, is not working tonight. She's at her cabin like a good American, but she's a frontline worker. All her, all you nurses out there, thank you for welcoming the babies into the world. Doctors. For testing people from COVID, curing people of COVID, and just, uh, I mean, deciding that, you, Ryan, you and I talked about this, deciding that you want your job to the potential that there could be death in it. Yeah. Ryan and I's worst day ever, I could call up the biggest account I have and say, fuck you, and no one's dying. No one's dying. We're not saving lives. No one's dying. Yeah. Nurses and doctors, if they do the wrong thing, somebody might die. Yeah. And and I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast with Taylor is my stress level at work has gone so far down since I started dating her. Cause like we'll you know, we come back from work, you know, oh, how'd work go? Like, what'd you do? I'm like, oh, I'm stressed, this deal, like these clients are frustrating. She's like, oh yeah, like I had a mom that uh, hemorrhaged with a baby that was only 30 weeks old and the baby we had to do CPR on and the baby barely lived. And then I had to run five floors down to the blood center to get a shit ton of blood. So the mom stayed alive and you, and I'm sprint, she's sprinting around and the mom survives and I'm just like, oh shit, what I'm doing is nothing. I got stressed over a PowerPoint today. So <laughs> today? No, not today. But like, oh yeah, in that the, yeah. On, yeah, on a work day. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Nonsense. No. So just no. we just all need anybody in corporate America take a chill pill, okay? Let's pump the brakes. Yeah. Nothing we're doing actually matters. Everybody stays alive in our work scenarios. <laughs> Mostly, like I don't know if you do like really really bad job probably. What would be a bad job in corporate America that involves death could come? Death. I don't think it exists. I don't. We don't want to go there on this podcast. That's no. a pretty dark avenue. We'll leave it at that. But just the point being that we, I think we kind of view like nurses, doctors, medical workers as, as just like the fact that it's a good career or they're good people. But like, it's a whole deeper level of they could actually interact with death. Well, yeah, and it's it's our experience with a doctor is oh, you check your ears, you know, say ah, check your tongue, mm-hmm. and that's what we cough. have. Yeah, <laughs> the cough. cough. Yeah, <laughs> that. Uh, that's our experience, right? Like we're that's tip- chill. That's chill. It's a very chill, low stress. Um, but what they have to deal with, or what they could be faced with on a daily basis, even in routine operations, routine to them is having someone's life in their hands yeah yeah and and taylor and labor labor and delivery nurses specifically bringing new life to the world bringing new life into the world exactly exactly (laughs) have you seen the uh the adam driver meme it's like they take all these lines from him and one of them is like a movie where he's not in not star wars do you like adam driver as a villain in the star wars movies I, i like him as kylo ren i wish they would i wish they'd have had more of him as ben solo I'm not big on the sequel, the sequel trilogy. There, I said it. There, I said it. I don't like it. A, 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 a Stories from a Mountain Time exclusive. Tyler Meany does not like the sequel trilogy. I'm not a fan. Of the sequel trilogy? No. Him, him as the bad guy, I think, brings the whole trilogy down. It wrecks it for me. But it's not him as the actor. It's because they position him. They position Kylo in a weird place. What, because, other, what other movies is he in? I'll need to watch other work. That I'll he's be doing. honest. I don't even know. Well, so how do you know? Well, I, I like, so he looks, his facial structure is very similar to like young Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford lives out here. He lives not very far from here. <laughs> he's a Jackson resident. Um, but he, he looks like a really young Harrison Ford. And then they kind of cast him for that reason. But it got all funky when... You know, Snoke is seen as the big baddie in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And spoiler alert, then Kylo kills kills Snoke, but we don't just still don't know anything about Snoke. Right. And we're like, wait, so he's not the big baddie. The story development was off, and I'll give it that that like pulled the trilogy down. But you're still dealing with characters. I guess that ties into it. The character development for me was off. Mm-hmm. And the character choices, their casting, I think, was off. Really? I, I, I think him being cast in that role, James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, that makes that makes your everything. He's just the voice. A different dude was in the suit. Okay, he's the voice. But yeah. who do you know as Darth Vader? James Earl James Jones. Jones. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you said it before I did. Han Solo, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Perfect casting. Perfect mm-hmm. casting. Mm-hmm. You get casting wrong by a percentage. I'm an accountant. What do I know? But I know when a movie's bad. Mm-hmm. It was not great. I know when a movie's bad and a beer is good. Yeah, they didn't. The my biggest cri- critic 
critique of it rather you could just say words like critique when you're talking about films and you got to call them films and not cinema. movies cinema cinema films um <laughs> they gave you all these things that the movie just told you to care about but you didn't they didn't give you a reason to care about them yeah like we have ray and it's pretty clear she's the protagonist early on so yeah. that's kind of reason to, to care about her but you don't even know spoiler alert you don't know that she's a palpatine no until like halfway through the third movie i think it was even further than that it was like the last third it was yeah, like the like, last quarter of the movie yeah it was but it's like end. if if she wasn't the clear protagonist and like right. the clear force user that we're going to follow right. we wouldn't really have a reason to, to care about her and that's just kind of the nature of star wars yeah it's kind of really family-based because we still cared about luke in the original trilogy before we knew that Darth Vader was his father, you still care. See, that's about so it. hard for uh, you and I to comment on because we were born in '93, so we didn't. New, see a New it Hope as it came, came out, out in like '76. Yeah. So and, and and the dynamic of they didn't have internet then, so we can be so much more nitpicky now. It's true. So we can like I can watch it 17 times in a row. Yeah. And be like mistake, 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 and the technology they have to make the movies is so much greater. Right. But I think you're right. I think we had a reason to care about Luke from the beginning. Yeah. And then in the in the, in the prequel trilogy, we obviously had a reason to care about Anakin and Obi-Wan and all those characters there because we knew it, where it led. But then this one was, you know, you want to give a little bit of an ode to your legacy in the Star Wars saga. You want to, but you also, as from like a business standpoint, you can't, this can't be Luke and Leia's show. Right. Because they already had their trilogy, this has yep. to be. They have to figure out how to make it the Ray and Finn and Poe show. Because they, they didn't to, really. They have to appeal to our generation, yeah. younger, maybe a little bit older too. The people that are going to be, they have kids. They're going to go to the park. The ones that saw the new original trilogy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But my, I think maybe it's just because my dad has more important things to do than watch movies. But like he was a, I remember as a kid, we would watch the original trilogy all the time. He was a huge Star Wars fan, and yeah, he would like, we had it on like VHS. Yeah, yeah, we had is that. The, what exactly. it used to be VHS. Yeah, yeah. If that isn't the most millennial thing you've ever said, I don't I know. know what is. I know. My dad tells stories. What's about, that VHS thing? I, I know. My dad will tell a story about how he waited in line when the original movie Episode Four came out, and he was like, the line was around the block at the movie yeah. theater. Isn't that weird? Because now movies are like, if they're not a part of like a greater universe they don't get anything right and then every single like original story they just make a movie to try to set up some sort of marvel universe yeah. or star wars universe because that's major money and that one at that time came out of nowhere yeah that was totally george new. lucas has done like very little like yeah. he had like two other films nothing in popular uh none of the alec guinness was popular as james bond but i don't think they that wasn't the marketing approach right. to it right and it was just get this like they. I mean, they used to call it like a space opera. Space opera. Yeah, yeah. a yeah. space opera. Yeah. And like, how do they? How did they do that? Right. I'd love to be in the rooms where the marketers are like, "All right, we got Is this." this. Gonna work. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them. You hear these old quotes from like Harrison Ford, Al Guinness, and they're like, "I mean, this may flop, but yeah. we got to do it a certain way to make right. it work." Like someone, there's a quote where Mark Hamill was like. You know, hey, like something's wrong with like my shirt or my shoes, and then he does it in this in this clip. He he does a impression 
of Harrison Ford, and he's and Harrison Ford's like, "Hey, kid, if they're looking at your shoes, we're all in big trouble." <laughs> <laughs> because like the Harrison had been in enough movies, uh, he had not been in Indiana Jones yet, but he'd been in enough movies where he was like, you know what you need to focus on right. in in films, right? But yeah, that's crazy how it just like out of the box, insane popularity yeah. on an original story. It's not like a comic book. It's no. not like, and I mean, they take trends from storytelling like every story does, but it wasn't right. like the hero with a thousand faces kind of thing. Or yeah. It wasn't like old journey is like Lion King is Hamlet. Yeah. Like there's a lot of f- stories that we know that are really just super old stories yeah, on a new, new retold. skin. Yep. But Star Wars isn't really quite that. I mean, it's the story of like romance and adventure and, and leaving the place you were born into. And in a totally new environment space. Yeah. I don't know if that had been done before. When it, Yeah, so it probably came out in 1970-something. We went to the moon in 69. Right. Space was hot then, Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know? What if they had, like, what if they had Star Wars, but they had wrote it in, like, three separate settings? Where it's like, okay, we got space, we got underwater, we got, <laughs> uh, like, Alaska or something. Right. Where they have the same story, just different settings, and like, okay, it, what's the hot thing right if now? If the moon Space. landing doesn't work out, we're gonna do underwater. We go with a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go with Alaska. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, underwater wars. Yeah, <laughs> Alaska wars. Yeah. But it's cool because uh, so my dad he saw the first episode, episode four, <laughs> on opening night, and then he and I went and saw the last episode of the final trilogy together so it was kind of a cool like full circle that's what makes it special yeah that he got to go and see that and that's what star wars is all about i will still say rogue one best star wars movie saying it right now really rogue one rogue one is my you heard it here first folks um i i like rogue one as a connector piece uh the scene with vader in the hallway is insanity because when you watch them i recently watched every piece of content from Star Wars from episode one all the way through. So all the show episodes, all the movie episodes, Mandalorian, all all the stuff in order, chronological order. On my off time. I don't do this while I'm working. Um, <laughs> I swear. And you watch that scene of Vader in the hallway going nuts, like kicking ass, like probably probably the top five best Jedi scenes in the in the series. And then you go right into New Hope and Leia's on there talking her bullshit saying, no, I'm on a peace <laughs> mission to do something else. And he's like, you're full of shit because yeah. I just kicked a bunch of your guys' ass Lies. in a hallway. Lies. It like adds to the to the like, to the the like humor of that scene where she's saying, we're on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Right. No, you're not. <laughs> now we know the backstory. Full of shit. Total yeah. lie. Leia's full of shit. <laughs> but I like... The Rogue One did a great job of not over um, overpowering any of the full feature movies, but yeah. just adding to some context of it. Yeah, because you don't. Again, like, how did the how did a New Hope work in the seventies? You literally start on the edge of like on the back end of a cliffhanger. Right. Whoa! There's this ship tra- tracing another ship in space, and there's these robots that talk, and there's some hologram. Isn't that how the best stories are told? Though you start in the middle. Is that a saying? I think so. Look look it up later. Young Jamie. Or not. Young Jamie. (laughs) Young Darren. Yeah, young Darren. Darren, look that up for us. How to tell stories start in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Make a note. Another fun fact. Since we're on movies, 
I have seen. This is movies, movie reviews by movies. Tyler and Ryan. <laughs> what to watch this week? Nothing in a movie theater because that shit will get you infected. James Bond is coming out though very soon. I'm not a huge James Bond. Daniel guy. Craig's final movie is James Bond. Anyways, this is we're the movie I want to talk about. We can go, we can go wherever we want. If you want to talk about James Bond, we can go there. Ocean's Thirteen, the uh-huh. greatest movie ever made. Mm, I don't I've know. seen it. I, I'm not following you there. Multiple hundreds of times. <laughs> that is my work from home staple. People can choose from their, their themselves. I know we're in a a different environment here. A lot of people are working from home. Wherever you work, have a movie on in the background. Set the volume on like three. I can't do that. Very low. Anyone with ADD, don't do that. Very little noise. I'm going to adjust the phone real quick. Yeah, do your thing. I'm going to keep talking about Ocean's 13. Go ahead. It's my favorite. Many hundreds of times. I watch it three times a day. I turn it on right away in the morning, and it's on in the background. I might even be in my kitchen working at a standing desk. doesn't matter. It's on in the background. And it just sets the routine. It's like getting your cup of coffee in the morning. Having that movie playing is my Spotify playlist for music to keep me focused during the day. Yeah. So my my ADDS, I I like would, I mean, I have sometimes, like I have some videos playing often when I work, but it's never really a thing of like, any real sort of storyline because I'll hop yeah. into it and then I watch it and it's interesting and then I'm like, oh, I've just lost 30 minutes. Watch it like 25 times <laughs> and then that goes away. You just got to get past that point. What I've been doing recently is I've been playing some of the music for you. It's a thing called lo-fi. It's these, there's all these streams on YouTube called like lo-fi or like study music or right. something. And it's just like these like kind of it's like a mix between like R&B and jazz beat where they have a little bit of a beat, no lyrics. And then they'll have like, you know, two hours worth of songs back to back to back. Yeah. And it's just kind of that ambient noise, a little bit of ambiance, a little bit of something to just like give you some emotion. Like we were saying is like. And, and didn't you say they try and match the beats to like the optimal level of focus that you should be having when you're working? No, that was different. That's that was um that's for like house concerts, like EDM concerts. Right. There's a certain beats per minute number that once the the DJ is hitting that, it like syncs up with our heart rate mm-hmm. and it's the perfect level to do a, a rave at. Okay. That was different. Different than <laughs> different than studying or working. Yeah, sure. Partying. <laughs> Party. But yeah. But that's a cool piece too. Yeah. That there's something more to our, there's like something more to our body, our bodily rhythms than, than what meets the eye. Maybe there's something there. Something there. Yeah. Um, should we get back into mountain stuff? Let's do it. We haven't spent enough time on mountain stuff. No. Um, so where were we? We went to Yellowstone or did we talk about Yellowstone? We talked about Yellowstone and seeing the big three, the moose, the elk, Talk about, tell them where we went, like our our path. So we did, so Yellowstone, I learned a lot about Yellowstone. I, I'm very, um, not embarrassed, but I will admit that I knew so little about just Yellowstone to me was bison and open plains with 
mountains everywhere. And I had no idea that I never made the connection between the Yellowstone volcano and kind of these, you know, old faithful and just a lot of the very unique things that Yellowstone has to offer. And so getting to see the portion that I did kind of showed me all that. But Yellowstone, to access it, has a figure eight shaped um, path to drive. And you're able to kind of hit either the lower circle, the upper circle, the whole thing. And there's stops all along the way um, to kind of make it convenient to see all of the attractions. And so we focused on kind of the lower loop, the lower circle, whatever you'd like to call it. Unfortunately, there was a road closure, so we couldn't make it the whole way around, but we ended up seeing there was a, a lake coming in that was really prominent. There was a Yellow, Yellowstone Lake. Yellowstone so yeah, Lake. We went past 11 here. So we have we just Google search map of Yellowstone. Yep. Um, you cannot see it on the phone, but... Yeah, so Yellowstone Lake is the largest lake, like above above six thousand feet or something. Yeah. It's really big. Yeah, and they don't allow boats on there. Like very few boats are allowed out there, just surrounded by enormous mountains. Yeah, and then from there we went to saw Old, Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Excuse yeah. me. First, um, artist paint spot. Paint pots. Paint pots, and Grand Prismatic. Grand Prismatic. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, as much as I dislike how busy it was when we were there, I think everybody, every American needs to do this. Cause this is really the last, there's, there's a few places, you know, Alaska's wild. There's places in Wyoming that are really wild. Why, uh, Yellowstone is really like the, one of the last places of real, real wilderness. Except for these roads, there's nothing. Yeah. 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 And we're looking at the roads and when you saw it, like there's a, there's a loop around the middle yep. and there's roads to every, to all the entrances, but that's it. In between all the roads, there's not anything. There's no. some hiking trails, there's a lake, there's rivers, but there's just wilderness. Yep. It's an amazing place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this map, and I picked this one specifically because you can see the volcano. Yeah. So the route we took, so we went up. If you know anything about Yellowstone, we came in the south gate from Jackson, went to the left on the loop, and that's kind of geyser alley is what they call that. So all the stuff we saw was geysers, hot springs, right. all of that, because you see how far into the the volcano we are on that stretch. So that's where all the heat's coming from. Yep. So you've heard this in the pod podcast before. The Yellowstone volcano is a super volcano. And it erupts every 10,000 to 14,000 years. And we are just over 10,000 years since the last eruption. So scientists think that it, or scientists predict that it could erupt any day now. Could have happened the day we were out there. Could have. And this thing, I don't know how many miles that is, but that's bigger than the loop we would have driven. They say all of Yellowstone is like the size of like New Hampshire or some shit. Right. Some state. Yeah. And that's like a big section of it. This is a volcano that's like as big as like the Twin City metro area. It's probably like maybe 100 miles. If you were to drive in a road all the way around 100 miles, 80 miles. Yeah. What's worth that? Circumference? Circumference. Circumference. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what is what did we say? It was 60 from my house to Old Faithful. 
Right. Yeah, I would say that. I'd, I'd be okay saying We probably that. went about 40 miles into the park, which was 0.11 to 0.4. It was like 40-ish yeah. miles. So I'd say that's darn near close to 100, just that loop, the lower loop around. Mm. You stretch that out to the estimated perimeter of the volcano, at least 100 miles. What I want to know, what I've never, I've never learned this. We should look this up. Is that the mouth of it? Are we saying that's the mouth of the volcano? Are we just saying, what are we saying with that boundary? So I think a super volcano is different than a normal volcano. Mm. I don't think there's like this big, you know, a triangle shaped volcano under the earth that then its top is that circumference. I think it's. Oh, wait, this came different. back to me when you were explaining that. Yeah. That's a bed of magma. Yeah, I think it's I think it's different. <laughs> That's worse than what I was thinking. Right. It's a bed of magma under some bedrock that is that size. Right. So I guess you could say it kind of is the mouth because the mouth sure. of a regular volcano would have like a like if that was above the ground, that would be the opening. But since it's underground, it's just a bed of mag- magma within bedrock and layers of other sediment. I think so. And I'm not confident that that's correct. <laughs> As but that's stare, what I've heard. As you stare into me, yeah. blankly, not quite positive. Still, though, live every day to the fullest because scientifically, it could blow at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> say, say, say some things. I mean, the phone's being weird. Let's see what's going on. Well, this is our first test of doing this live. Well, we had 22 viewers. And I'm glad that you're all here with us, hopefully still with us, live. Um, talking about the super volcano, really an unfortunate time for this type of thing to be happening because this is, as you just described, a very prescient conversation could happen any day. Again, not totally sure the shape of the super volcano will maybe come back. Tyler, do you have a, do you have a blog, um, for this podcast? I think we'd need a little place to put the show notes in the future where, I think your listeners deserve to know the exact structure of the Yellowstone supervolcano. But all that aside, seeing Yellowstone, having this weekend here in Jackson, that was really the first major day that we had. Um, Thursday, we came in. We were all at work. We're working. Um, I took class Thursday morning. Darren had to work, you had to work. So I think it wasn't until the afternoon that we really got going. We went in and saw town, um, had some beers, had kind of just a casual day, and got ready for Friday, which was our day at Yellowstone. And so that was pretty amazing. That was a big day, a long day. Um, Saturday, we got out onto doing some vertical, which was exceptional. Uh, exceptionally challenging we went up in teton village uh the famous gondola we hiked up to where it meets at i think what nine thousand forty-five feet at uh i think it's below nine but it's eight eight thousand it's up there i think it's i think it's above nine but anyways first weekend here i i might know Above all, that led me to be, to experience the famous waffles at uh, at the top of the Bridger Gondola. The famous ones. The famous They're usually ones. at the top of the tram. 
Okay. But because of the the year here, it's it's a little bit different. Yeah. But I got to experience them nonetheless. A great hike definitely changed my perspective. We can talk about this. Just someone coming from the Minneapolis area thinking they understand what elevation gain looks like <laughs> yeah. um, over a long hike, taking that to 3,000-ish vertical feet, um, definitely eye-opening and kind of sets sets my perspective for sure for any future hikes. We're back. We are, we are back, back live, ladies and gentlemen. So I kind of covered a lot, though, during our little intermission there. I know we left off on the Yellowstone Supervolcano. They're going to have to go to the podcast and actually listen to it. Tune in. <laughs> Tune in. Monday. Maybe. When this hits. Depending on how many Snake River Pale Ales we have tonight. It might be like a Monday afternoon release. Yeah. Who knows? We only have, what, two more cold ones, and then we got to break into the warm beers? Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm not sure. The get, on. get that Corey thing to Kendall. stand up straight. What's up? Is that good? Yeah, you're in there. I think it looks great. Um, yeah. So, that, let's talk about that hike. So yeah, we like you said, we hiked from the bottom of the ski resort to the gondola, which is like three fourths of the way up. Yep. Uh, um, walk us through what you and Darren were feeling and thinking. Uh, as you needed breaks, all those all the times you needed breaks, it was challenging. Literally, as we started from the parking lot, about oh, not even a quarter mile in, I'm already realizing that my heart rate is getting up there. Uh-huh. It's it's gonna be a challenging day, <laughs> and and we were I told- knew it when you were quiet. Well, they were quiet. Ryan came into this thing. He he was talking some shit. He was saying that he's going to beat me up this thing and whatever hike we did. And I'm just like, all right, like you don't even know anything about anything. Uh, I just, I literally climbed the middle Teton on Wednesday with my brother. And, and you're going to say that you're, you're going to dust me doing anything here. I don't so know. I knew from cross country that when I'm in shape, whatever pace I'm going, if I can maintain a conversation, it's conversational pace. I know that that is generally maintainable for a long time, hours. I know when I get to that point where I'm not able to talk, it's a game of just conserving energy (laughs) and not burning the matchsticks and going too deep into a deficit. And so I knew this was not gonna be a conversational hike uh for you i was Haley and i were talking the whole time you guys were and that really broke up the monotony of the hike it wasn't monotonous (laughs) we had great views but uh no it was it was challenging i think in the last maybe 500 feet of vertical it really kicked up and that's when it kind of all hit me because we had taken a long break like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. i grabbed a little snack and so i feel like my body started cooling down a little bit we had to immediately kick up pretty steep and uh it, it hit me it hit me for sure yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the tetons that's the i told tetons. you this you being here at the time you were the time we had the places we went we just ruined every other mountain range yeah. for you yeah what's special about the tetons is extremely steep uh gnarly mountains that are very accessible 
Yeah, I mean, we walked out of a parking lot. Yeah. And we drove we five right minutes from my house to there. Oh, and even like the middle of the Grand. Right. I drive 30 minutes from my house. Yeah. I could go climb the middle of the Grand. Yeah. yeah and that's not as common. Us, it probably took us longer to get out into the valley to get a view of the Grand than it would actually take you to get to the base of the Grand. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Climbing because I'm up, I'm like, I'm like very close to, to the to the Tetons from yeah. where I live. Yeah. So, so no, it was a good day. I we had beers with us, and I was not ready right away to drink a beer. I was yeah. definitely giving myself a few minutes to to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, looking around at all the people who had ridden the gondola up and were not sweaty and <laughs> enjoying their meals. There was a lot of people up there. There was a ton. There was. A I ton. was. I was uh, taken by surprise a little bit. Well, there weren't that many people on the trail. I think we were kind of with yeah. like two or three groups the whole way. Mm-hmm. And there was a mother out there who was hiking uh, with a child on her back. And, and a, yeah, and a kid carrying backpack. Incredibly impressive, that individual. <laughs> I'm looking at myself who just had to haul up like a camera and a <laughs> bottle of water. <laughs> How much does a kid weigh? Like it could have that age, you think? Probably like what twenty pounds? Twenty? I don't know. I know nothing about children. Probably heavier than what I would want to carry up a mountain. I'll say that. Um, you got to then give it water, give it food, <laughs> water, and give it fertilizer, di- diapers. <laughs> it's a plant. Got to carry diapers up. Like, Photosynthesis. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like probably wouldn't be that happy just to be walking your up a mountain, you know, as right. a as a little baby, right. probably it's, crying. So the trail itself definitely set, um, I think it was called Wildflower. Um, Yeah. Beautiful trail. Definitely a change of pace from the rolling uh, wood chip trails around Minneapolis, which are great, beautiful trails, usually around lakes, but there was was nothing like this. The the diversity and the um, views up there were very impressive. Yeah, all the best trails here are just kind of, you just kind of look up like you're looking up a ladder and you're like, you just, oh, so we're just going to walk up there. I hope the camera can see this. Oh, you just go up there and then you come down. Okay. And that's the trails. Yeah. And there's like switchbacks and things, but this one, that one's pretty steep. It kicked up for sure in spots. That kicked up a notch. <laughs> uh, uh, no, do your thing. Take it away. Yeah. The, you're, uh, you're, on, you're getting on a roll. Go for it. Anchorman. That was Anchorman. I don't know. You know when they when they get into the fight and they get back, they're just drinking Miller High Life's and they're like, yeah. "Wow, that really that kicked up a notch." <laughs> and like, "Brick, you killed someone." <laughs> and they're just in their like suits, like right. in one of their offices. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, it kicked up a notch. So I would say, day by day, that yesterday, Saturday, definitely had the most packed of like the must experience here in my book climb that trail you get some elevation to see jackson and and to see like where you are in the valley it's it's a really impressive perspective to do it almost right away on our trip uh we were here for a couple of days and then we jumped right into that i know we saw yellowstone before it but that was really our first full day in jackson and so to jump up the mountain see all of that uh, it just took a morning. It, it was not a long hike, uh, time-wise. It felt longer on the trail, but uh, yeah, it was yeah. like 
two hours, right? Yeah, it was two hours. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I think I think if it wasn't Labor Day weekend, we would have done things differently. Okay. But uh, this is like our last really busy weekend here. Yeah. So Saturday, Sunday, or Monday of this week in Yellowstone would just be unbearable. Yeah. And even our experience was was close. It was a lot. Waiting to get into parking lots. Um, yeah. Getting trapped behind a lot of traffic was, yeah. It is what it is, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like I said before, as much as I don't like the busyness of it, every I think Amer- every American should do it. Absolutely. And I'm happy to bring any, everybody anybody up there because I don't, I mean, I've been there a handful of times since I moved here, but it's still special every time because it's, it's like another planet. Well, yeah, Al, absolutely. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I had always seen in documentaries that, oh, it's just, it's mountain terrain with buffaloes and it's a really neat place to see that. That ain't it. Completely different. Yeah. Completely. It is a whole nother planet. Like you're looking at, um, at the Grand Prismatic area. Yep. Sorry, as I adjust my microphone. Um, the Amateur. Grand Prismatic is a uh, a really big hot pool where there's bacteria in it that make all these cool colors. So it's basically the whole rainbow of colors with like purple in the middle and then like blues getting lighter and lighter to like greens and then reds and yellows and all the way to the edge. Everything. And then next to it is this, uh, what was that thing called? Some, it, there's, there's a pool next to it that's, actually a crater of a major geyser this yeah. geyser from 1850 to 1860 it was like blue blue something yeah or, by yeah. grand prismatic go yeah, look yeah. that up yeah we well we should we could look it up yeah it, i have the map still in the truck yeah it um pull up that one that one looks like we should go to a go link on. and like it go to yellowstone park yeah check it out so it um it's this crater formed from like 10 years of of super violent uh geyser activity where how how often did they say it, it would go off well it wasn't like totally predictable but they said at like the most violent point 47 hours it went on continuously so almost two full days this geyser was erupting this isn't for anyone who's been there, comparing the two, Old Faithful to this crater, many, many, many times the size of Old Faithful. Old Faithful is a straw, um, and this is a giant, a giant hole in the ground. Yeah, like the 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 violent, the violent geyser activity created this like bigger crater where, where the most geysers the opening isn't even that big but this was like an opening of like i don't know how how, how big was that opening you think probably the size of a basketball court yeah that's a good comparison yeah. a basketball court in in surface area and you know who knows how deep down right. to the freaking the for down to the freaking magma yeah like and that's just, and then you're just you're just casually walking in flip flops on a boardwalk next to it. <laughs> I mean, I was fully kitted out in my hiking attire. Yeah, you, Ryan you, and all the other urban folks were like, they got their trekking poles, they got their water bottles. Trekking poles. I rolled up. I did have a. Water I rolled bottle. up in my Birkenstocks, like nothing special. Like this is just another Friday, because it was um, just another that's Friday. How, because that's how cool I am. Yeah. <laughs> 
but you got to go see it. It's 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 like you're on another planet. It's like going to, I'm sure like. <laughs> well, there's no water on another planet, so we know. So I don't even know. There's water on Mars, frozen. Do we know that? Yeah, Stefan, if you're listening. Stefan, who's that? He was an usher at my wedding. Currently works at NASA. Stephen. Yeah, yeah. He would know. So Stefan, if you're uh, if you're listening, please comment. However, you can spread the message of water on other planets yay or nay let us know either way if there is if there was like melted water on other planets yeah i think this would be weirder this would yeah there's like like the that crater we just talked about grand prismatic grand prismatic is like multiple football fields next to each other in size probably well yeah you were you were showing me pictures of like small groups of buffalo yeah walking across it yeah, go look at, yeah. for those that are wondering, go look at uh, the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort Instagram. They posted a picture a couple days ago. Um, we can just find it. Um, of a, a herd of buffalo walking right past it. And it was the day we were there, and I was right in front of I us where we were prints. looking at it. There was hoof prints. And yeah, I was like, hey, those are, those are bison prints. Yeah. Like, they walked right through this. Yeah. And, and for the people, speaking of footprints, for the people who chose to get off of the boardwalk and uh, stand around on the ground near these pools um don't do that don't do that follow the rules that's don't. a very common thread in this podcast talking shit about yeah oh it's not on here it should it, it shouldn't be challenging for me to say don't walk next to the boiling cauldron of bacteria infested water or should not be a stretch yeah or the damn wild animals right I haven't seen any news of like any maulings lately, but don't pet folks. Don't pet the buffalo. They're they're actually wild animals. Yeah, they're not domesticated because they're protected. They're just hanging out there, and we're in their world. There's a reason there's like boardwalks there. We're supposed to. That's the human spot. Yeah, their spot is the rest of the park. Yeah, and that's what it's there for. Yeah, we need to respect that because they will fuck you up. And I don't know, this should be like something like a first lady focuses on. Be like, we Platform. need to stop. <laughs> we need to stop people getting mauled in national parks. Really? It's because just people, people being smarter. I know. Can it's like, can you how do you, stupid? how many signs did we see to get to, to stay off of stay or rather stay on the boardwalks, stay away from the geysers, stay away from the hot pools, stay away from the animals. Endless. All the time. All the time. And it still happens yeah. <laughs> so often. Yeah. Well, we saw it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the Your selfie is not that cool if you step off the boardwalk. No. Let me tell you. No. You know what's way cooler? Not dying in a hot pool. That's so much cooler. <laughs> we literally watched it. Right? We watched a chick. You're like, is that a ranger? Or like, she what literally is she? Like, faked falling into the pool, too. Um, she I like, didn't know that. She like oh tipped, my she tipped herself Christ. over, faking to fall into the no, pool. No, I didn't see that part. To get the pick. And yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's probably a ranger. And then she hops back on the boardwalk and like camo joggers, and we're like, no. Yeah. Well, I thought at first she had like a name tag on, right. Right. and then I'm like, no, that's not a ranger. No. <laughs> what is she doing? And like nobody said anything because it's all a bunch of fucking Midwesterners. It's an idiot. <laughs> there were a lot of Minnesota plates there. There were. There were. There was a big contingent from Minnesota. 
A lot of you heard a lot of oh oh oh. Let me sneak right let by you. Let me, let me oh. sneak right by it. Excuse oh. me. Oh. oh do oh do do you guys have Miller have have Mick Golden here? <laughs> hey, do you have a do you have Surly Furious here? But do you actually? Because that'd be really great if you did. No, Mick after, Golden is not sold here. Snake River, you actually don't need it. No, Mick Golden is not sold here. Actually, I know. It's sold in very few places. Yeah, can we settle this? This is an ongoing thing in the podcast. Okay. My understanding of it is that it's in Minnesota, western Wisconsin, northern Iowa, and it was a way for Michelob to steal some market share from Miller Lite because it was super popular in Minnesota. I don't know if that's the fact. What do you know about it? I think that's the distribution range because people would ask for it in North Dakota coming from the cities. Yeah. That to them was like, hey, where is this? Um, so I knew it wasn't in North Dakota when I was in college. You'd mm-hmm. have to go just pop over to East Grand Forks to get it if you wanted to. Um, if that's the reason why they did it, super smart. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was it. Because it worked. And yeah. now it's like now it's like an emblem of pride, kind of like PBR is in some areas. It's like, oh, I, I drink PBR. I drink McGoldens. PBR is a funny thing. We've talked about this before, too. Um it started as like a blue collar American Milwaukee right. beer, right? Like, like blue collar type of thing. It's now like this hipster skier ski bum kind of thing. Like all the ski right. bums here drink it. Yeah. One of my close friends here, Noah, he he'll walk into the bar he used to live next to, and instead of like saying, "Hey, Noah, what, what would you like?" They just hand him a PBR pounder. And they, they just know. And it's that kind of loyalty. But Noah's, he's a hardworking guy. He's not blue collar. He's not like he's a farmer, a plumber, electrician, or something like that. Um, it's like totally flipped what uh, what kind of people buy it out of nowhere yeah, with like, like the same loyalty. Kind of like Carhartt. It kind of has like a street, a street yeah. credibility to it where yeah. people wear it. But they have never seen construction a day in their life. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Hey, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have horse manure on your Carhartt jacket, you ain't no cowboy. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes those jokes except for me. Enjoy but it. I love I those. The- you ain't no cowboy jokes. It's this guy on TikTok. He's the like an actual. Yeah. yeah, there's a guy on TikTok that's actually a rancher, and he actually is a cowboy, and he yeah. says these things and knows what he's talking about, and I just love it. <laughs> and then so I just try to pick it up because. Because we're kind of cowboys around here. We is probably a stretch to include yourself in. <laughs> we is in everyone else. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm mere mere feet from a place where roping and riding happens. I hope that when you get your cowboy hat and boots, you debut them on your podcast. To the world, debut them here. It's Why? an audio thing, but I can do that. Well, we're live streaming. We're live. This might be a new thing. Let me know. People, give me some comments here. Let me know if you like this. Because I don't... This We're just trying this out because he's a friend. We're not really worried about this episode. Right. Let me know if this is fun for you guys. Like, we don't we don't know anything about this. Yeah. Um, the maiden voyage of the live experience. Yeah. I just thought it'd be fun because, like, normally when I record these, I... I uh, there's been, like, a couple situations where they asked me to edit something out, but, like, three. Yeah. Three, like, 10-second clips I've edited out over the 35 episodes I posted. So 
it basically gets posted as it, it would be live. And it's just yeah. a fun way for you guys to interact with it while we're doing it. Right. And I mean, we, we've known each other for over a decade now. So we kind of figured, Hey, like we're, we're not going to go into like territory that we shouldn't go into. Let's, yeah. let's have this live. And there has it be- been a decade, decade. Well, think about it. I mean, it's 2020, 2010. We were in, would have we, been we left 10th grade. Yeah. Our thing is we, whatever year it is, that's what grade we left. Right. So in 2010, we were leaving 10th grade. Yeah. So with it's the, like the fall of that gym. Yeah. Would have been oh nine. So over a decade. Yeah. So like this, like October, it'll be 11 years. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's a long time. It's a long time, dude. Do you ever feel old? No. Really? I felt old when I turned 26. What am I, 20? I'm 26 now. You're 26, yeah. Yeah, I don't feel that old. I feel old because, so my parents, maybe this is the reason why you don't. So my parents had me when they were 30 and 31. And I just see how close I am to that. Right. And I see, I'm like, there's so much that I want to do before I want to totally devote myself to having children. Yeah. And I don't know if I have the time to do it. Right, right. Well, and that's dad, why I feel old. My dad. And 30, like, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- like 30 and 31, like that's not, that's not early by any means to have kids. That's like probably pretty average. Yeah. But in 93, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know my half siblings both had their kids, I think starting right at like 30. Yeah, that's very, very common. My dad was 44 when he had me. So it definitely like changes my perspective having older parents. Yeah of kind of like where I am in life and being 26, I'm, I don't feel old. I feel young, man. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get in my own head. I feel old because it just seems like I've been here a while and whatever, but you've been here in Jackson for a while. No, just on the earth, on the earth. Sure. Sure. But then my, my team at work, my, my manager, Kathy David, shout out. Kathy, if you're listening, you're awesome. Uh, I don't know how old she is, but she's been at FIS at companies that turned into FIS for 41 years. Right. And then I have um, two teammates, Karen McGinnis and Terry Jennings. They've been at FIS for like 25 or 30 years. And then another teammate, Carolyn. Um, I think she's been, she's, this is like her second time back at the company, but it's still like eight years or something like some substantial time. And I have these conversations with all these intelligent women and they're, you know, they've way, they've so much experience. I just feel like I don't know nothing. And it totally brings me back to realizing how young I am Yeah, because they've seen in Kathy's career, 41 years, they've seen the, they were selling digital banking before the internet was like really a thing. Right. And then they saw the rise of actual internet, digital banking and what all that means and mobile banking and all this technology that's risen out of the internet. And they have all this energy to do stuff and they're kicking ass and everything. And I just feel like, no, I have, I have a long way to go. I know this is a little off topic on the whole, like feeling young, feeling old, but the perspective that I get a lot with the managing directors I work with talking about coming in pre-internet, seeing yeah. the first versions of Excel coming out, you know, how they use computers, the perspective they have on kind of what technology can be 
is really different than the perspective that we have. Yeah. You know, we're so mobile focused and mobile forward and they're very desktop, you know, large banks of uh, computer servers, everything's on premise. Uh, it's, it's amazing to kind of see how bringing those two together, you, you can learn so much, mm-hmm. um, especially because thinking about, okay, where was the internet 25 years ago and where is it going to be 25 years from now? You and me, we're going to be at, I don't want to say the peak of our careers, maybe post peak, maybe even coming into our peak 25 years from now, kind of what perspective are we going to have on everything that we're going to do in the next 25 years? And I kind of look at it like that of, okay, I'm 26, but I'm trying to be here for 74 more years (laughs) and let's see what we can do. Certainly. Yeah. We could be, I mean, we could be freaking Taylor. Ta- honey, I'm live streaming right now. Watch the shit. Stop, te- stop texting me. Yeah. Don't you know I'm busy, woman? <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of living to 100, Darren and I have the goal of hitting a 75th wedding anniversary. That'd be 100 years. Be 100 years. We got married at 25. We're trying to hit 100. Or sorry, we're trying to hit 75 years of marriage, be 100 years old. So that's the goal. That's a great goal. Thank you. Can we talk about your wedding? Of course. So Taylor and I attended your wedding. I was graciously representing you as one of your groomsmen. That was outstanding. I'm honored to be a part of that crowd. The only person I knew from my high school years that was part of the wedding party. Yeah. And kudos kudos to the rest of the guys. Like They were so welcoming. You know, I didn't. The only people I knew going into that wedding were you and Darren and your yeah. parents. Yeah. Four people. A- and then, you know, Taylor with me. Right. And she knew. She only just knew you. And you. Barely me. <laughs> me and barely you and barely Darren. Right. But the amount that your wedding party, guys and girls, welcomed us was outstanding. And that made everything because... I didn't feel left out of anything. There wasn't like these inside jokes that I thought could have happened because you're all in the fraternity. Right. <clears throat> we were all like partying. They, it was, they're all nice dudes. They're all, I would love to have any of them out here. That was, that was so much fun. And just be a part of that, that special day. And, and I, I felt, I felt really special when in your speech at the, at the dinner after you, like you, you're a great speaker, by the way. That was an outstanding speech. Thank you. You like, you like listed off all these places where people came from that were far away, and it was a lot of places. And Jackson Hole was one of them, the ones you mentioned, and that I'm sure everyone else felt the way I did when you were like, "Wow, that's super thoughtful to know where everyone's coming from." When it's like, it was like ten different places. Yeah. Outside of Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah, I still have the piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, the morning of the wedding. I was writing down, kind of figuring out what I wanted to say. I kind of knew what I wanted to do with the speech. That's, yeah. um, I'm the groom. I got to speak. I got to kind of welcome everybody to the wedding. And I knew that I wanted to call out everybody and where they came from. Mm-hmm. To not just say thank you, but like somehow put in perspective and recognize where people have come from. And have you seen the picture that's taken when it's the moment that you're called out uh, no. for Jackson Hole and you're holding up <laughs> oh. horns. There's is a it, picture. Is it like on your, is it on it? Oh, I, I don't know if we've, if we posted it, 
Darren, if you could find that picture of Tyler during the uh, the reception, pull that up and send it to Tyler. I think it might just be downloaded on our computers. So yeah, send it to have, my Instagram. To yeah, but we might need to uh, to post that one up later. But yeah, that was a great moment, and those are probably some of my favorite pictures too because the feeling of like giving that speech and kind of mm-hmm. I'm not someone who typically ever enjoys having attention on them and so uh having that moment to like is that your wedding no that's uh taylor nelson's taylor nelson mitzel's wedding oh, oh that yeah, was the summer sense. before yeah i was an usher darren was a, a bridesmaid it's our friend i got confused because uh, you were like wearing a, you're like wearing a tux there right right but i was like no nah, because like yeah so it looks like it might not be, yeah, scroll down here. I'm sorry this for everyone who you. can't see. It should be, it guys. would have been like one of these pictures in here because that's that speech. We just did the that's grand entrance. We always go to mine. Our grand entrance was probably one of my favorite moments because Darren and I, we came out to Cardi B, <laughs> I Like It, mm-hmm. one of our favorite that is jams. a banger. And uh, we, we hooked arms and uh, took some sips out of our beer. Oh, here we go. It's got to be one of these because it was like... Matt's speech was hilarious. Oh, weren't those great? Probably one of my biggest regrets of the wedding is not having a videographer to capture the speeches because the the maid of honor and the best man, oh, Taylor... Man. The stash heard around man. the world. <laughs> John Brown. John Brown. So the stash that I'm still waiting for it to come in <laughs> on me. Uh, I've been growing yeah. my facial hair out for like three days, and I've got nothing. John, so. can you please pass some mustache jeans down to your son? He's yeah. been waiting for years. Look at that. Yeah. Look at you. Drunkenly <laughs> in a drunken stupor staring at my <laughs> girlfriend. Tearing it this up This is awful dance. audio because we're just looking at pictures here. Was, um, was the dance one of the better dances you've ever had at a Oh, wedding? look, she said something. I thought the music... Uh, definitely was well done. The DJ did an awesome job. It's oh my not... god! Oh for cute! Oh here we go. There it is. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. There you are, right there. Look at the timing out of her. What's the photographer's name? Uh, Nicole. Nicole Castanet. Castanet. Nicole, the timing out of you. Yeah. She like she didn't know where I was from. I know. And she like she, she was, was just there. looking like, look at this idiot yep. over here sitting at his table. Yep. He's gonna do some stupid. She had no idea that I was gonna call Jackson Hole and that yeah. you were gonna do that. But yeah, you threw it up, and she was she just drunk enough to throw up, to throw up this. <laughs> Stand up and re-recognized. Yeah. That, yeah. I love yeah, that and, picture and too. You, so Tyler's gift to me um, was a bottle of Wyoming whiskey. And I actually just recently finished the bottle, mm-hmm. saved it, so that'll be, I'll hang on to that one. But uh, that was a, a good gift, one of my one of my favorite things. Yeah, I, I have a tough time doing just like the generic like registry stuff. Yeah. Because I feel like it's just not that heartfelt. Yeah. And especially with our close friendship, I just wanted, I mean, even though, I mean, that's, you know, $35. It's not like a big gift, but I just felt that it was like a really good representation of of our bond and then like where i'm at at the moment like this is a token of of wyoming token of jackson yeah and we're, we're a couple of guys like to share a drink together yeah and it totally, totally fit it's better than me buying you me and taylor like being on your registry buying you fucking candles or something you know <laughs> like like your aunts can buy you candles right, right. i'll buy you something buy special from yeah. wyoming absolutely 
I'll buy you, you know, I'll buy you a freaking ski ticket. I'll buy you like something that means a little bit step further than what you're, when that means, but it's going to be in the realm of mountains and, and Wyoming. Yeah. So no, that was definitely awesome. That better be okay. So anybody in events be fights me and Taylor to your wedding, expect something fun. <laughs> you're not getting, you're not getting candles or pillows from us. Yeah. Something fun. I was, I was gonna look at yeah, thank um, you darren for actually still listening live yeah darren shout out most loyal follower shout out put a ring on it oh wait oh wait um i already did that yeah uh yeah the, i don't think we have a, i don't know if there's any pictures in here of um when danielle and i walked out danielle is uh there might have been if you went back see. to that original album danielle is the younger sister of Look at this. The maid of honor. All my ta- recently tagged pictures are Look at that. Are yours. This one. I love this one. Yes. It was shot. We all got so we we're all all taking pictures with the couple. And they're like are, like you know the guys get to do a special one with Ryan and it was like do like a funny thing. Yeah. So I I saw on social media where it was like instead of the girls oogling over the her engagement ring, the guys would do it over his ring. Yeah. And so this is me just like looking like, oh my God, I can't believe this this ring. You got this yeah. ring. I definitely appreciate kind of the lampooning on the classic uh, wedding pictures. Yeah, classic, like, classic studs. What studs. What a group. All of them. What a freaking group. Yeah, great guys. All of them. Man, great guys. Uh, but I wanted to say Danielle. Hell, shout out to Danielle. She was, there Here it is. you go. Here you go. She, uh, it was very quickly decided we were going to take a shot during our entrance within like a second of like, of like fireball or something. Nice. She was like, all right, let's like do a shot or something. And I was like, all right, that's a good uh, idea. Party. And we said the classic, like, you know, arm around the other arm, yeah. take a shot. And yeah. then this like wave or something. Right. Classic. Classic. Super chill. Easy to execute. Easy to execute. All you had to do was just not fall. How was, uh, how was Marshall driving you guys around? Was he, was he, I, time? Was I, he noticeable? <laughs> Uh, I was I was so focused on other things that yeah. the driver is not something I focused on. Something that came together last minute, which turned out to be really funny, is that when I was traveling, I had a guy who drove me every week, pick me up, take me to the airport, bring me home. Uh, Marshall, he ran his own little car service, mm-hmm. and I would just text him, say, hey, got a flight tomorrow, can you pick me up? And literally a day before the wedding, we were lost on how to get the bridal party to and from uh like the different places and uh he came in clutch rented a van for us and brought you guys around so the things that come in last minute uh pretty insane uh, yeah i seem to recall something where like he almost hit somebody and i don't want to sewer his name but something where he like he almost hit somebody or like he didn't know where he was going or there's some weird situation in there where it was just like, what's going on, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, like I said, I was focused on making it a great day for you and Darren more focused on Darren. Cause they just, the bride just has more pressure. Like, absolutely. Like you're going to be fine. You're marrying the woman you love and, but the bride just has more pressure. So I, I was did, just trying to get, make that a good day for her. I did black out for a moment when I said like, when I'm actually speaking during the actual ceremony, after I said I do, I actually thought back in my head, was that the right time to say I do? <laughs> because I was just like, I was so in the moment. Yeah. That I think I just like, I said it and I don't know what actually triggered me to say it. 
but it was obviously the pastor like saying, you know, repeat, you know, do you. Um, and then I said, I do in response, but like looking back, uh, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, did I say it at the right time? <laughs> like, was that, did, yeah. did I just mess that up? <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was all smooth. Yeah. The, the only hiccup, if you might call it that in your wedding in the ceremony was, um, the photographer got yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you aren't at church, um, you know, rightly so the pastor kind of had, you know, he set the rules. Um, and so I, I never know. like heard that. I'd never experienced that before. I hadn't either. And I would think that, you know, nowadays photographers can kind of be anywhere, but, uh, yeah, it's such an case. important part. Yeah. Uh, look at Taylor. That was a fun dance. Darling. Yes, it was. It was just nice to see that everybody came out immediately. Um, once the dancing started to mm-hmm. kind of part participate. Mm-hmm. That was good. So now coming up on a year, October 12th, first anniversary. It's already upon us. We're where we learned this week that it's common on a first anniversary to <laughs> Ryan's giving me the, giving the no signal, but this is, this is high quality content to buy your, wife another band a ring band is this happening absolute bullshit <laughs> that's all i have to say so no so uh we are under a month from well no we're a little more than a month from my first anniversary mm-hmm. i was told less than a week ago that mm-hmm. it is commonplace commonplace to buy your wife first year of marriage a third Wedding band. She already has two. How many bands do you women yeah, need? Yeah. The engagement band. The I think that's band. propaganda by Jared Jewelers. Started somewhere somewhere in the 70s. Propaganda to get you to buy more rings. Yeah. Absolutely is. So no. So I've heard I've heard the other standards, like there's a whole um list out there of like common kind of traditional anniversary gifts like the first year you get paper because paper is it goes into it like Mm -hmm. the first year is paper the second year is cotton and then it kind of like you know your third year your fourth year fifth year then it's like your 10th year anniversary your 20 year anniversary you get like different gifts that symbolize different things of kind of where you are in your marriage third wedding band totally sprung on me last minute (laughs) Well, you know her ring size, so like it should be easy. <laughs> What's super funny about that? So talking about ring size, um, I kind of went through the process of like I, Darren and I went out, we looked for rings, and then I went and kind of like designed it and kind of took things that she liked of different rings and kind of put them together. And when I was ordering it, I didn't know what her ring size was. That never came up in the process. So I'm going and finding like the random little cheap jewelry that she might wear as like kind of as an accessory or something. I don't know if this is on her ring finger or not. And then I have the moment flash through my eyes. What if what I'm proposing, it doesn't go over the knuckle? What if that happens? So I, I oversized that engagement ring. Like you, you get, get it resized, though, right? I, we got it resized, yeah, yeah, which is pretty easy. Um, and I think they do it for free, like through the whole life of the ring. 
Yeah. Um, but that, uh, that was like super nerve wracking, not knowing if that ring was going to fit on her finger. I knew I was going to ask her to marry me. Mm-hmm. I knew everything was pretty much going to work out just fine the day that we got engaged. Was that ring going to fit? I was pretty nervous about that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So you got to, I think I, I think I asked Taylor's friends like a year ago what a ring size is. You just got to have that back there. Oh, <laughs> and I'm Uh-oh. not saying that that I am or I'm not prepping to can propose. I can deny. neither confirm nor deny that I'm prepping yeah. to propose to my to Taylor Weiss, your lovely girlfriend, my lovely girlfriend Taylor Weiss. But I can confirm that I know her ring size. Okay, I think that, she's watching now. That's something I didn't know. So you're ahead of me. I'm a thinker. By a full I don't know a man who knows what he wants. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think she's watching now. She she like is live she like texted me. she like texted me and I'm like yeah. watched the live stream busy. Yeah. <laughs> I think she hopped on. So Ryan, this this is a little bit deeper than we've been going lately. When or what was the moment for you when you decided uh, that you're going to propose to Darren? It's a really great question, and I don't think it was a moment. So Darren and I have been dating. Does she know this? The whole lead up to this? Does Darren know what you're about about to say? I think, I think so. Yeah. Because we've talked about it. We've kind of like, you know, reflected on our our relationship before getting Hmm. engaged. I knew like a long way back before we even moved in together, before any of that, that it was a sure done deal. Like mm-hmm. it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. When exactly and how early on in a relationship that happened, it kind of went from we're dating to, yeah, we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like ah, one moment of a light bulb going off that it's going to happen. But all of a sudden it was like my mind was made up. And we mm-hmm. had been together for, Darren's going to kill me on these dates. It was like five. You can see, I can hear her screaming. Yeah. Well, it was like six years. Yeah, it was like five years, but I think we got married on our six-year anniversary of yeah. dating. So I think it was. She's waking up the neighborhood right long, now. Like, She's screaming at it you. It was like before five years that we got engaged because we got engaged the July, and then it was like a year, a little bit more than a year before we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really like I remember the day that I asked her to move in with me and live together. The day that I decided we were going to get married. Not so much. It was like all of a sudden we were going to get married and I had my mind made up and it wasn't a single moment, but it, it sure all of a sudden <laughs> came to realize. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in college. I remember the first time meeting her um, and seeing her for the first time. What's really funny about that is that she had met me a couple of times <laughs> or remembers seeing me a couple of times the year before. And it was like in class or something. And I used to dress up in nice clothes in college because I was that guy. She was and that so, guy because he's going to be a politician. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to run for state office or something by the time I finished college. So I always dressed up. Brown and Meany 2030. Just putting that out in the universe. I don't think that's an election year 20 24 28 32 32. 32 we could do it 2020 2032 brown meanie bank on it el presidente is the president Uh, lvp lvp 
but so no so i i remember the first time meeting her she actually had like seen me before that um said wow what a stud he's built like a strawberry he's built like an upside down triangle see i bet that could i bet that good guy could dip for hours (laughs) yeah yeah i could i mean like the, the workout dip not like chew not that it matters, but not that it matters. Uh, another, another, uh, not another. That, I'm glad. You, I'm I'm so glad that that's that's your story because Taylor and I have a similar story. Uh, my memory is that I met Taylor. She came to Scholastic the second semester of freshman year, uh, and I think I'd met her like in passing when she visited a friend the first semester. I didn't really think of anything of the, just the in passing, and then for some reason when I met her for real. When she actually went there, it was like, I, I was like, I don't know what it is, but I need to, I need to make, make an effort to date her. Even in like freshman year of college, like you're not, most people aren't really like in dating mode. I was just like, I need to, yeah, need to have that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, does that sound bad? No, it doesn't. It, well, it's so funny and that relates, it's weird. It relates to mine. Darren will tell you this too. That- Ryan and I aren't similar in any way. <laughs> except for this one story that we're now realizing now <laughs> except for like everything I, except for our career which is semi so oddly similar semi similar i called darren my girlfriend before i'd even asked her to be my girlfriend <laughs> she had gone away she'd like gone home or something for a weekend and so during that normal party weekend i literally told everybody that came to the party Oh yeah, my girlfriend Darren. Mm. Oh yeah, Darren and I are like dating. Oh yeah, Darren, my girlfriend. Duh. And then she comes back, and I guess all of her friends were like, "There's this guy Ryan, <laughs> saying that you two are dating and that he's your boyfriend. What's going on with that?" And uh, here we are, six, seven, something odd years later. Uh, she fell for it. Looking down the barrel of our first year of marriage. <laughs> she fell for it. Yeah. yeah, she fell for the ruse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Taylor, Taylor and I, I like, I, uh, I tried dating her like right away, like for real, for like a freshman in college, like really a lot of effort. She was too cool for me then. Yeah. Um, still is, still is too cool for me. Um, then went on and, and like we did other people or whatever, and then we came back together and got together, but. Once we got together, we were talking about it and we we're like, oh, like, you know, senior year spring break, I was in Playa Carmen at this resort. She was like, I was too. No way. And, I, and she knows some guys from Centennial. She's those, those like Lovick and Zebro. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I hung out with like Lovick and Zebro that whole week. And she was like, so did I. And, and she's like, I'm pretty sure we met that week. And I'm like, <laughs> We could have. I don't know. I don't have a lot of recollection of that week, but we could have. And um, apparently, Taylor's mom might have this picture of us together in our high school senior year in Mexico. Wow. Before even you know realizing anything about yeah. each other. Yeah. So Debbie, I don't think you listen to this, but <laughs> but somebody pass on the message, Debbie. If you can find that, that would be insanity. Yeah. To realize that we actually met, right? Like a full, uh, like a full year before we we actually thought we met, right? Yeah, like it's proven. Darren and I had the same class at the same time, mm-hmm. 
that we were in it together. Yeah. Um, I think she saw me during finals week or something like that. Who's that idiot with the bow tie? That's what she said. I never wore a bow tie to class, but I do wear a tie to class. <laughs> mm. So everyone, if you've made it this far, <laughs> yes, you can judge me harder for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. And we're at an hour and 51 minutes. It's Where should we bad. go now? Where should we go now? Yeah, like with the podcast. So what was today? Today was still works. Uh, we kind of had a chill morning, and then I had my first sloshy. First sloshy. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. Do you like the that, concept? So I love the concept. When Darren and I, to go back to uh, the wedding story and, and all that. Is it okay that, if I go pee? I kind of need to also. So should I talk in a microphone? You do that, and we kind of switch. We can, we can just pause it. We can pause. We can just pause. Okay, right. I'm going to. Set the pause on that thing. Guys, we'll be back. Okay, and we are back from a little bathroom break. Had to refill, <clears throat> had to refill the beer selection. We're building a little pyramid here. We're back. Yeah, nice little pyramid of some Sigma Pale Ales. As you can see, how easily it's going down. This shit is delicious. It is delicious. Um, the, the review stands. The find and drink review, it stands. I don't find think it? you gave like a score on that. You need to score it. So I'll tell you, I don't want to score. No, you need to score things. I don't want to score beers. You have to. I don't want to score beers. I want to tell people, find it and drink it. This this is what to expect. Go out there and, and enjoy it. Have it. Well, you can say, but but here's the thing. You Please. said all the words that describe the flavor. Yeah. But. but It is a well-done pale ale. It's well done. It is in a category of, so what he's saying, folks, I will drink it again. What he's saying is this is like a 7.8. I wouldn't argue with that, except that it has won many awards. Yeah. Which probably puts it higher than a 7.8. Mm. Interesting. And I would probably rate it, if I were to give it a rating, if, if, if I was to rate the beer, I would probably rate it higher than that. But they've already won awards for the beer. So it's an award-winning beer. And I can't, I can't like say it's less or more than that. Find it and drink it. I think for the success of if you want anything to do, if you want beers with the Browns to do anything, you have to give a number. Can I be... People's attention spans are not long enough to read or listen to the entire description you have. No. The the 20-word description that I put for a beer. Marketing statistics say people's attention spans are either like, no joke, three seconds or th like two hours. Which is why movies are two hours. And Joe Rogan's podcasts are two hours. And Tyler Meany's podcast is just past two hours. Yeah. We'll uh we might hit three hours tonight. We don't know. Oh no, wait, this is two this is two minutes. Two we're minutes. over we're over two hours. We're though. at an hour and fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Past the break. So that was that was almost perfect to put but it. But that's there. what statistics say. It's sure. either like sure. three couple seconds, like Get the hit in. So I get that, but everybody rates beers. Everybody. Beer advocate. Uh, everybody's putting out ratings for a beer. I just want to tell you what a beer tastes like and what I'm drinking. What's in What's in my fridge this week that I'm drinking, that I'm excited about, that a brewery just came out with. There's so many new releases, and this is what I love about drinking beer is that 
you know how people say, oh, I love to live in the place that I live because it has every season. It has summer, fall, winter, spring. Like you can do everything. You can be a four-season athlete, a four-season adventurer, person, whatever. You love all the seasons. I love all the seasons of beer. Hmm. We're coming into October, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, pumpkin beers. We're getting to pumpkin beers, which I know some people don't like pumpkin beers. If it's done well and it's done right, a pumpkin beer can take you in a whole other direction of beer. That's me, man. I'm ex- now, now you said I'm excited for Oktoberfests. Yeah. It's one of those beers. So I'm I'm a big seasonal drinker. Yeah. Where my tastes kind of just go with the seasons or like kind of with the weather, basically. Yep. Outside of a few staples. Like as we get into fall and Oktoberfest, like I'll, I'll hammer Oktoberfest. Yeah. But then like, you know, winter hits, hits and I'm like, you know what? I'm done with those. Yeah. Now it's like porters stouts guinness it, like there's yeah. a couple beer uh, bars right here that do guinness Brown on Ales. tap yeah i'll hammer those after yeah. a day of skiing you know then it comes down to spring and you get into like the lighter things and some seltzers yeah the dog days of summer hit you're drinking hefeweizens pilsners really light refreshing yeah beers. like some like bud lights coors lights like some of those non-craft ones those two but there's also craft beers that really fill the nice summer months. <laughs> yes. Um, there are. Good beer. Maybe let's not even say craft beer. Let's just say good and bad beer. Is there... There is bad beer. Craft beer, good. My barometer... Mass produced Or my beer. range for good and bad beer is, is quite wide. That's fair. Have you had, have you had Red Dog? <sighs> yes, I have. That's bad beer. That's bad beer. That's about where my line is. That's good. At least you have a line somewhere. <laughs> I'm glad you can I'm glad you can point to somewhere and say, This is where I draw the line at dog shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've been in college, like I've had all the shitty college sure. beers. Have had oh Milwaukee light, you know, Milwaukee's best. All of them. Slamming hams. Yeah, hams. Yeah. Hey. So Hams is actually a funny, uh, an interesting, interesting story. Being a St. Paul guy, I lived in St. Paul for sure. two years. Um, Hams used to be considered like more of like a high quality beer when it was hot, and they redid the ingredients to kind of make it cheaper. Yeah, to make to make a the the creation process cheaper. Right, and it turned out to make it shitty. Yeah, and ever since then, it's just been trash or like this niche thing that like hipsters in st paul like it's definitely it definitely harkens back to early kind of what beer in america looked like early on as a commercial beverage like coming out of the 70s before the mid 90s when you know you started to see samuel adams sierra nevada some of these more now well-known breweries that were really craft breweries when they first started yeah. before in that large void of multiple decades there was you know the budweiser's the coors and the hams was the local favorite where we grew up and so that still definitely stays today where you can look back and say okay that that meant something in the past kind of harkens back to that obviously hipsters uh tend to do that 
mm-hmm. uh, with clothing, very ironic, spend a lot of money to look like it's dirt cheap, you know, things like that. <laughs> but <laughs> um, they can do that with beer too. So Yeah, there was an added layer to that where uh, my house in St. Paul was like a mile away from the old Ham's. Was it really? Uh, bre- brewing location or wow. factory wow yeah and it like like you drive there's a like a small brewery there now it's um shit we need to look this up we need to look this up there's a small brewery in there and they do like it's like a fun brewery scene but this factory is like enormous it's like a like you drive there's is a road that summit? Can, no someone's on the west side this okay. is on the east side okay of st paul and you drive like it's in a, such an enormous building. Like there's just a normal road that kind of goes through the middle of it, and it's like you're driving like past Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory because it's like. Is it still a beer operation today? Is it like Schmitz or? No, not that one. Um, Shells. Shells is down south, I think. She yeah, Shields is like New Alm. Right, right, right. No, this is East Side. Like it just they don't do any hams there anymore, um, but they have an, another brewery there. I'll look this up. Yeah. Because uh, it is a good brewer that's there now, but they don't, they don't really like, they'd make their own shit. Like, it's not yeah. really connected. Um, I want to put a marker here and just say, let's get back on the Ham's Brewery. Yeah, founded. Yeah, 1800. So I was even way off when I said in the 60s, I should have said the 1860s. Yeah. Uh, so I missed it by a century. Yeah, so this building. What yeah, we're looking at some St. Paul architecture. Classic, that bear. Yeah, where Tyler Hams. used to live over in St. Paul, the other side of the Hams river for me. So you're saying it's a Ham's brewery building that you were near? Yeah, the, the, the this building we're looking at. Okay. Not Can Can Wonderland. I don't think that's a real thing. That could be like a, a rendering of a development. This this building we're looking at right here, yeah, is the original Hams Brewery, sure, where it was all made when it was at its hottest, yeah, and it was half a mile from my house. Scroll down on this one, the Wikipedia page. Is that it right there in Sweet Hollow? Sweet Hollow, yeah, Sweet Hollow. That's the one of the park sidewalk bridges. So it's a neighborhood in St. Paul. Yeah, and that was in side. what year did that start? Eighteen sixty-five. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, so I missed it by a century. Uh, my Minnesota <laughs> beer history. So. Dude, St. Paul is like sneakily kind of like a, this historical beer city. Like, so I'm going to give up on looking on this. I'll fi- It'll come to me. I'll look on untapped after we're done. Yeah. Um, where I would walk Bridger like daily, it was a... Uh, an old railroad switching yard sure. in St. Paul that they turned into a park. They right. took out like the, the concrete and the rails and everything. Yeah. It was just a park like really close to downtown. We just walked there. And there were these caves there. And these caves, uh, there were some that were, that were um, natural and then some that were like kind of uh, uh, man augmented, I guess you could say. And um, these these caves were where a brewery in like the 1850s 
would would keep their beer cool during the, the brewing process. Yeah. Wow. And then then there was like a building on top of this little bluff there that they would that they would like you know sell it out of to the yeah. railroad workers. Yeah. And then that brewery turned into uh like Jacob Schmidt of Schmidt's yeah. brewery bought it yeah. and moved it across town to you know where like the Schmidt's apartments are. Yeah, yeah. Like with the big it's like the old brewing place with the Schmidt's brewing sign on it. Um but that's what this came from. So this is like the oldest brewery in like Minnesota or like, you know, something crazy like Yeah, I think they were Shells, right here. Shells is the only one I think that's under its original ownership. Yeah. And that's the oldest. I think Hams is has traded hands um multiple times. Oh wow, yeah. Shells is the oldest brewery. Yeah, okay. In Minnesota. Started in eighteen sixty. Hams was eighteen sixty five. Yeah. So beat him by five years. Let's see if you can find this. This is I mean, this is all very very hearsay, but But like to just be walking around well, this is this is all nonsense. Doesn't come up with um, a good answer. Just be walking my dog around, and I see these caves, and there's like a plaque there, you know. It's just like this. Yorgs. You know, this cave was used in the 1850s to keep beer cool. Right. And it's not like there's homeless people living around it, and it's like there's nothing really like notable about it. It's yeah. just like a thing in the in the hill. It's not like a tourist attraction or nothing. I'm right. just like, this is kind of weird. This should be more important. Yeah, you'd think they could find out a way. Um, immediately goes to mind like imagine a tap room built into a cave how cool would that be oh yeah read this read this Schmidt Brewery yeah so, found in 18 found in 1855 but I'm assuming that it eventually read through it well do we need to read for our listeners yes we do founded in 1855 the Schmidt Brewery went through numerous names owners, and head brewers before it claimed the success we know it for today. The story began in 1855 with the Stallman family, a proud family of German heritage who named their business the Cave Brewery. The Cave Brewery. See it linking back? For its unique name, for excuse me, for its unique location in a natural cave, which provided a cool and dry place to lager beer. Yes. If we know our beer brewing process... Lagering beers requires a lower temperature than ale beers. In I the didn't know that was process. a verb, I'll be honest. Yeah, so when you look at like Corona, uh, Boston Lager, um, the Vienna Lager that um, Snake River Brewing makes, the fermentation temperature that that beer needs to be at is much lower than uh, other beers which are classified as ales which are like your stouts, porters, pale ales, uh, and things like that. And that all has to do with the yeast that's in beer. So mm -hmm. there's lager yeast and ale yeast. There's someone smarter than me out there that says I'm wrong. Please uh, correct us at some point, but from my understanding, that's what it is. But anyways, do you want me to continue reading? Let's see I, I think, anything I, else I think we're good. Uh, for its for its unique location in a natural cave. So this is what I'm talking about. This is this is the one. Yeah. Stallman, Stallman Brewery or Stallman Family um, because that park is like part of it connected to the river and now there's a railroad that 
uh, cuts it off. But um, back then they can make it into caves and just transport it via river like right there because there's, there's a lot of like uh, barges and, and shipping boats right around there even even today. Look up uh, Google another tab the original name for St. Paul. Sorry, look at this. Soon Jacob Schmidt. Soon Jacob Schmidt, a brewer from rival Ham's Brewing. Did you know this? Corporate espionage. Took over as the company's master brewer. The brewery became pop the brewery became popular almost immediately and began competing directly with Ham's, making Schmidt a well-known icon on the city's west side. Corporate espionage in the early 18 mid 1800s. Yeah. That's wild. Look up the original name of St. Paul or the original, what was going to be the original capital of Minnesota. I think it's a pretty interesting answer. As Tyler's typing that out. Uh, she says St. Paul. Okay, type in, type in pigs eye. That's like a, just that's add, a, add it add it on to the end. Add it on to the end. Oh, crap. So this is the name of like a part of St. Paul. So St. Paul originally was going to be known as Pig's Eye. Yeah. And that was going to be the capital of what was the territory of Minnesota. So if you've ever been to St. Paul, to the Pig's Eye, uh, I think it's either a brewery or a bar. That, a bar. That is named after the supposedly first name of the capital of Minnesota, the first settlement in Minnesota, Pig's Eye. Yeah, and and there's a lake named after it too, Yeah, just south of downtown. So anyone listening, if you ever are involved in some Minnesota trivia, I hope you win on that one. Win on Pig's Eye. People also ask, what U.S. city is called Pig's Eye? Oh, yeah. This is what you just said here. Right. Operated a tavern in what became known as St. Paul, Minnesota. So it it was a it was a tavern in this settlement that didn't really have a name called the Pig's Eye. Yeah. That now that went on to be, be named St. Paul. That's insane. Yeah. That they're they're about to name a state capital after a bar. It's Minnesota, man. It's Minnesota, man. <laughs> That's America, man. Yeah. That's wild. That is wild. All right. Um, where else should we go? Well, we were starting to get into before, you know, we spent part of our day to day at Stillworks. And oh, yeah, we got to talk about them. You know, kind of like the craft distillery scene, um, kind of what they are doing. I'm wearing a t shirt. Well, I was earlier to the Stillworks of the Outer Banks. Um, distillery which does mostly rum and so seeing that and how that operation compared to the still works here in jackson was pretty awesome because they're super similar in size mm-hmm. i mean just just the one still they got to make many batches every day they have a small barrel aging operation yeah. like but the amount that because we counted it up like they had some different uh alcohols being barreled and you know, looking at the number of bottles that were actually uh, there uh, was was pretty awesome. And just seeing 
the scope that you can get or the reach that you can get with a small operation like that is really awesome because we were watching them take the the you know shipment of corn and, yeah. and feed it in to to get that ground down and as you and i know that all came from one farm uh i think it's in wyoming or i think you know better than me that shipment of corn but just to see how these small little batches of ingredients is all of a sudden alcohol that everybody can enjoy um, and we saw a lot of people come up today and get sloshies which we got to talk about sloshies because <laughs> what i wanted to sloshies tie, what i wanted to tie that back to is that my favorite like refreshing summer beverage is a mai tai i had one every day on my honeymoon in hawaii what even is a mai tai a mai tai is well i know how to make it with a mix so a mai tai mix is like different fruit uh juices you could look it up. You could Google it. <laughs> I'll Google it. With with a light and dark rum and some fruit uh, kind of for decoration. And so I had one every day in Hawaii. I love them. They're refreshing in the summer. And that's not how you spell Mai Tai. Uh, how do you spell the Thai part? T- or any, uh, any of it, actually. I thought it was like Thai, like from, uh, from Thailand. Yeah, go just do, yeah, M-A-I-T-A-I. And so, um, maybe I even said it wrong. But uh, rum, curacao, liquor, uh, syrup, lime juice. So I got one every day, and so still works right now. Has, I think it's called just the Tiki. Tiki AF. Tiki AF slashy. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Excellence. Excellence is all we do. It still works. It was super good. Yeah. And that, like, you're in this cool location. Like, I've I've kind of come to, like, enjoy drinking in parking lots when I'm here in Jackson because every parking lot has a great view. Yeah. Like, we're just looking up the, at these, like, nice, probably in this area, call them foothills. Mm-hmm. And you're looking around, and, you know, for me, this is big elevation all over great terrain you're in this nice quiet little parking lot kind of right off whatever main road that is and you pull right up and there's your window to get your sloshy yeah and uh it was excellent and uh could you just kind of explain the idea of a sloshy to those that have not been here yet because it's kind of a foreign exotic idea yeah i think we all for some reason i think we all kind of know like a snow cone Mm -hmm. we all kind of know that snow cones kind of suck. <laughs> and we all know smoothies. And we all know smoothies rock. When you combine those things, you get an icy. And everyone knows that icies are awesome. Icies are the best. Now take that movie theater icy and make it with alcohol. And make it with flavors that work with alcohol. Don't just make it like a Jack and Coke and an icy make it like basically taking a Mai Tai or a very tropical beverage and bring it into an icy. That is a sloshy. And from what I've heard, it probably just like the Tetons ruined other mountains for me. <laughs> I'm guessing the Stillworks sloshy ruined other sloshies for me. Cause it was like straight from where it's made 
uh, vodka straight into the sloshy, and it was it was awesome, straight from the source, right from the tap. Yeah, I don't know if they actually put it right from the dis- from the still in there, but sure. uh, having that control over the alcohol in it helps because most other places would just do like a Phillips or something. And like a lot of like syrupy kind of flavors. Well, and the care for the ingredients, because you just said it right there, the syrupy flavors, and there wasn't any of that. And so you know that if you're going to put all that work into the vodka, into the gin, put it into what is going to be mixed with the vodka and the gin. Yeah. And that's going to make the cocktail. And it made the sloshy. It was good. I yeah, a lot in. of the, the the hashtags we use, the saying we use with them is hash is granny glass or actually handmade. There's a lot of companies that say they're handmade, but these guys are actually handmade. They're putting real ingredients. That was real fruit in anything we have. They have they had a I had the tiki AF. There was like a lemonade sort of thing. There was a you need a beer. I need a beer, man. There's uh they're one of their famous Pacos. Pacos, yeah. Pacos IPA from the Snake River Beer Brewing. Classic one. Rec- Paco's the most recurring guest we have on the podcast. <laughs> he's been on like he's been on like ten episodes. Make it eleven. Yeah. Everyone loves Paco. I used to in the beginning of before we got the sponsorship, they were uh I would ask the guests like a local liquor they would want to drink and they all said paco's ipa and i was like all right this is getting weird yeah it was like six in a row yeah and i was like well maybe that's and it's kind of was fate with then when elliot shout out to elliot decided that we were worthy that was pretty sick um yeah i hope the the beers with the brown review did justice to what the brewer was trying to accomplish with the pale ale yeah, because I know pale ales are often like the staples of a brewery. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, we have Stillworks, and it's like they're counting on their gin and their vodka. They might do other fancy, you know, barrel aged stuff, whatever, off of that, but they're counting on the the mainstream basic bottles that they're coming out with to be the representation of their outfit. And yeah. so, I don't know if Snake River tried to do that with the pale ale. But if they did, it worked because I liked it. Yeah. I, that's beyond my knowledge, what the brewer is thinking. Right. But you did you did justice. They love they love any mention of them on the pod. Right. They're awesome guys. Good beer. Yeah. Whew. Were we talking about something? We've had a few now. What were we just talking about? Where, where should we go with this? Well, we any, were talking about craft any, distilling. Um, we've talked about Jedi's and Star Wars. Talked about marriage and love. Love. Uh, love at first sight. I don't know, man. We've talked about some taxes, tax preparation, tax consulting, tax software. How will? How will this trip to Jackson to the mountains? change you when you go back it's gonna make me train hard <laughs> as hell why is that oh my god because i need to beat your ass up the mountain you will never do that it honestly like you hear you see in uh articles posted saying like 
step ups, weighted step ups are the best exercise for hiking. And you're like, that's dumb. Like, I just need to run. Like, that's stupid. And then now you're here and you realize that every step you take is gaining elevation. And you're like, yeah, I got to do more weighted step ups. <laughs> I, I got to get stronger quads. There's a lot of hikes we do where I call it like uh, a stairmaster for yeah. an hour. Yeah. I mean, it is. You're going up. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely changes it. Um, from a nature perspective, I think, you know, you've shown me a lot. I have my parents' old DSLR camera. And so you've shown me a lot with just kind of like taking better pictures, kind of how you see pictures and, and capturing things like that. And so I've enjoyed getting more into just when I'm out, trying to capture a few cool shots to remember the moment by. And so that's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to look at those when I get back. Um, but Jackson's been great. I've enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. It's definitely, Darren and I, after we went to Hawaii, we said Hawaii's got to be like an every one or two year thing. I think Jackson's right up in there. Every other year we'll do Hawaii and we'll do Jackson. Or hopefully every year we'll come back. That'd be every, outstanding. I would love and, that. And eventually we'll come here in the summer and we'll come here in the winter. I mean, this this has got to be... Uh, if spot. you guys want to come here in the winter, that's a whole different level of training, man. You're saying Wild Mountain has not prepared me for this? No, I would I would definitely... That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I would hope that uh, I could bring my cross-country skis out here and, and do well, hopefully, with the elevation uh, for that. But downhill, I, I definitely realize it's a whole different ballgame. So we'll see. You could definitely play it. Like, yeah. it's not unattainable. It's just, you, you just there's, there's a lot of respect that needs to be given to the mountain. Besides skiing, any type of skiing or snowboarding, it seems like everything uh, involves the mountain and snow. I mean, there's no slow things to do in the wintertime here, is there? I mean, it seems like it's skiing, snowboarding, snow, mount, snowshoeing. Snowshoeing. Is probably the only slow activity. Otherwise, it's like snow, uh, um, mountain snowmobiling. Yeah. Not much else, though, is there? It, yeah, I'm but sure th that's is. a good point. Sure that uh, Something that I've felt here is I'm way more connected to nature and to the weather and the current climate than I have been anywhere else because so much of what we do is out in the mountains. Yeah. That if it's not looking like it's a good day, whether that's, you know, rain or wind in the summer or uh, like bad avalanche conditions or not enough snow in the winter, you just don't really do anything. Yeah. Like our down, my down days are like when it's just, not when like you you can't it's not safe to get out there yeah. and i felt it felt it feels kind of good to just kind of be more in tune with nature the flow of nature that like you know you're going we're doing we're going off when it's going off when it's good weather right and we're not going off when it's not yeah and something about that rhythm sometimes feels nice yeah i get that Definitely more in tune just day to day. And that probably helps with like making the most of each day. Kind of letting 
whatever's happening outside kind of not dictate what you're doing, but taking advantage of when it's really good? I I would say dictate. Yeah. Yeah. In the summer, it's easy. You've seen, you've seen what five five days of super good weather, yeah. which is classic. Our classic summer is is kind of this. It's right. cloudless, eighty degrees, f- basically from July first to Labor Day to today. Yeah, it was definitely pretty crazy. How like it, the temperature swing every day was like forty degrees. You know, it'd yeah. be you know almost getting close to freezing in the morning, and then in the afternoon it was hot. Like yeah. It was hot, and at the time of us talking about this right now, I got to leave on a flight tomorrow morning. Um, but yeah, I've spent what Wednesday uh, to today, which is Sunday, recording coming out soon, and so pretty much every day was a forty degree swing. Yeah, and being up on the mountain, especially on Saturday, it beats down like a lot <laughs> uh, especially in the patches that take you across what would be a run uh, a ski run where you're just out in the open it's you and just the tall grass it hits you um, and there's not a lot of stretches where you're in the woods in, in the shade yeah that's kind of like your switchbacks but uh, yeah it definitely beats down so I'm sure in the summer you have more like ability to manage when you can get outside less factors to kind of impede you from doing outdoor sports. But yeah, in the winter time I can see it. Yeah. There's more free, there's more freedom in the summer. You're not, you know, cause you, there's way, there's more, way more activities you can do in the summer. There's not five feet of snow on the ground. You know, winter is very focused. It's very specific. Yeah. It's, we know what we need to, what you need, what conditions you need to do what you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it could just be, and there's more danger in that too, because you're dealing with like, you know, with slabs of snow potentially. Well, that's the thing. And in realizing that, um, I've only ever read about like avalanche risk and how people deal with avalanches in books and like have seen it on TV and just having the awareness of when it's too dangerous to go out. I've always known as like, that is, oftentimes the breaking point between someone getting caught in one and not this is someone who's only read about it but that's what i've seen yeah it's pretty it's pretty scary i've caused <laughs> i've caused a small slide and on, the, on that same day i caused one down low and it was totally safe if i could see the bottom of it nobody was there i could see on another peak near me there was a slide I couldn't see anybody by it. I don't know nothing. I didn't hear anything about it. Then on a peak on the other side of the pass from me, somebody died that same day on a very gnarly, a really gnarly, very avalanche prone peak called uh, Taylor mountain. And it's really, it's, it's faster and it happens quicker than you, than I've ever expected. And with more aggression than you would ever think. Because it's like you just—I was just going along, making a turn, and then all of a sudden, you you make a turn, and you see it splinter through the snow, and then you see this whole thing, just this whole slab, just slide off, and in a second, it's going at like terminal velocity. It goes so fast, like I couldn't even—I barely could even react to like look at it. Yeah. And it's just—it's just so dangerous. I. 
it's you're right in that the decision to go or don't go is more important than your ability your abilities when it happens yeah, it almost seems like when you're in it you're in it yeah and no matter how hard you, you can't, try to get out of it it's it's more snow than you know what to deal with yeah uh basically a tidal wave of snow yeah, you can you can have the ability to be found. You you can have a good group with you. You can have all the technology with you. You can have a an airbag with you, but none of that will be as you can't be as confident in that saving you as you could be giving it the red light on a day that needs it to have a red light. Yeah, it seems like to me, looking from the outside in, there is no way. To think just thinking about risk. There's no way to say if everything goes wrong, there's a way to ensure myself that I'm going to come out alive. You can do everything right, it seems like, in an avalanche, and it can still end up um, tragically. Yeah. Like you just said, the airbag, learning what to do in an avalanche, uh, kind of swimming your way to the top, things like that, having a crew to come look for you. It can still end really tragically yeah um, and the pressure like i don't have really i have almost no pressure to go out in the winter it's just my own fun right, right. or any sort of like you know content gathering filming that i want to do yeah so i can i can it's so easy for me to say no now today is not a day to go do something big or high or right. expose or whatever but there's there's people there's a lot of people that like you know, that's their, that's their routine or that's their job or that's their something that kind of more forces them into it than, than I would. They, they push that risk daily here. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's, there's a lot of areas around here on the pass and, and wherever that they're literally called like blank slide. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this, this spot we're on is named this because it slides all the time. And that's some that's some sometimes a little scary. Yeah. But the the joy of a good day of hitting major powder and having a fun climb and being with people and being with the dogs often outweighs the danger <laughs> because we are all still doing this. Well, yeah, it has to. I mean, there's danger everywhere, right? I mean, I I get my car. I'm gonna fly in an airplane. There's danger everywhere, and you just can't let you can't let uh, minuscule risk outweigh uh, the positive benefits. You know, something you learn in, in economics. Yeah, but you have to make sure that, that the measurement of risk is accurate. Yeah, and and measurable. Yeah. But yeah, it's neat. It's neat that uh, there's so much built around a generally. I'm not going to say dangerous. I'm just going to say something that's prone to risk. And and there's so many people that enjoy it. And I think that's awesome. I know it's awesome that so many people want to get up in high elevation and, and do things that are pretty incredible. Yeah, we're going to watch this documentary here when we get done. Everyone, it's called, it's called Mountains. You've heard me talk about the book, Mountains of the Mind. It is all about uh it talks it gets into the history of humans going into the mountains the early days of mountaineering and and it gets into the psychology of 
why do we why do we put ourselves in these situations of such danger just for those moments where I certainly feel when you're at the peak, you accomplish something, you're sliding down something, you know, all these moments of joy that, that I certainly get out of mountain experience. Why do we put ourselves in danger just for that? And it, this goes into that. And I always t- try to tell the people the quote, it's, it's in the book, it's in the beginning of the movie. It says, those who dance will be, uh, are, are are always considered mad by those who cannot hear the music. Yeah. And people who have this craze of being in the mountains, they hear the music and they are certainly called mad by those who don't feel the craze. Yeah, I get it. When Rogan says like we lived in a nerfed up world, you know, we're, we're every corner has padding on it. Like yeah. we, we are in the softest world there is and there's something special about getting out there and and pushing ourselves and doing something that's uh on the edge yeah in a nerf draft world you can you can feel real danger really quickly yeah in mountains yeah and uh in in the book they go into an idea of like reverse gravity where like it like it's almost like the peak is pulling you like gravity towards it to those that are some that are attracted by it. It's a really interesting concept because I, I totally feel that where I'm like, I could hike to anywhere, but for some reason I'm drawn to hiking to these specific points, right? These peaks, the top, the top, getting those views and how difficult it would be to turn around in the face of increased danger. Yeah. Nearer and nearer to the top. Yeah. The closer you get to the top, I feel like the more you would push away any danger to continue. For sure. It's very insightful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when. Like at the bottom, if it's a shitty day, yeah. Tomorrow, fine. Yeah. You're 100 meters from the top, you're going to push on. Ryan, I've never measured anything in meters because I'm an American. (laughs) There are two types of countries in this world. There are those who've been to the moon yes. and those who go by the metric system. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but you're right. Cheers to America. To America. To America. These United States. These United States of America. But you know, you're right. I want to talk about that that point about getting to the summit. Ryan and I climbed the middle. My brother Ryan and I climbed the middle. Ryan Meany. Ryan Meany on Wednesday. And we were going up and it's not supposed to be windy like for the majority of that hike. And it was windy near the bottom. And I was like, this ride, this isn't good. Because if it's windy down here, God only knows what it is at the, at the summit. So we keep going. It's still windy. Continuing to be windy. Still windy. Still windy. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be sketchy up there. And if you heard that podcast, when you climb the middle, you basically just hike up normal trail for like three miles. Then you go up some boulder fields for like three more miles. And then you have like another mile, one more mile where you climb up uh, a couloir. So like this really steep mountain chute, basically vertical. It's, It's way up there. 
and we're doing that and it, it, it's like it's super windy it's like blowing us around like while we're walking and climbing and i'm like this is super sketchy but we, we're up we're up this high we can't not summit and we get up to the top and it's freaking blowing like it's 20 mile per hour gusts every yeah. direction all the time and the space of the summit is like there's like one rock that's like this space and then you go down there's like a little a little gap and then there's like another rock about this space too your office like my office this a, me- a meter studio and a half space. by three meters stop using meters you fucking commie <laughs> you fucking commie no like uh eight feet by 20 15 yeah eight by 15 eight by not 12. big not big not large and we get up there and it's blowing and so and we got up there pretty early we we're the second to summit that day it was the rocks were icy <laughs> because you know like some sort of dew or moisture would happen and then it's so cold that it's freezing the rocks right, right and it hasn't been touched with the sun that day yeah exactly so it was it was icy on the skinny summit with 20 mile per hour gusts because you guys got what like a a 4 a.m. start? I mean, you got the... We started at 4.11. Yeah, the mountaineering start early in the morning, yep. well before sunrise. Yeah. Uh, it was pro- Honestly, it was probably still getting colder as you guys were going up. I mean, it doesn't start warming up until, like, dusk and well into dusk. So it was, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was making ice at the top while you were beginning your trek. Yeah, the, the amount of daylight was kind of sketchy because it's now it's it's into september so let me just see on my, on my watch sunrise tomorrow morning is at or today was at 6 52 yeah i think it was i think it was like 6 45 when when we did it so that's two and a half hours of walking in the dark yeah out of out of 12 yeah do you have just like a real small headlamp? Just like a normal one, but yeah. we got up there fast enough. The beginning of it is just trail walking, but then you get up into the boulder field and you, in daylight, it's not a very defined path. Yeah. In headlamp light, right? It's impossible. Yeah, your distance is, you know, 50, 75 feet tops. That your beam of light, the beam of light tops, will go that, but yeah, the, the rocks. There's so many rocks that, right. that that doesn't even matter. Yeah, you can't see way up in the distance. Yeah, the actual thing you're looking at is ten at the most feet, and so we got all discombobulated doing that. Um, and you would just climb the middle, what a month beforehand. Uh, yeah, like middle of July. Yeah, and so that even, one had like a lot more daylight, so that was okay. Yeah, but even with that, the darkness really kind of played. Um, in a boulder field. Yeah, they both had their their difficulties. That one had a lot of snow fields still in Garnet Canyon. So that was a a challenge because you want to get up there before the snow starts melting so you can come down and not have to deal with breaking through it. Right. We Ryan and I didn't have much snow, but we had we had less daylight. So we in the morning we got we went really far in the pitch dark. Yeah. And then it got really hot and the wind, because now it's now the fall winds are blowing in where it's super windy the whole time. So there's just always challenges when you're doing these, these big mountain climbs that are just kind of unavoidable. Right. Right. 
So when are when are, do you want to do the middle? In the next couple three years, <laughs> I gotta do a lot more weighted step ups. Weighted step ups before that. Maybe get a couple more times. I'd like to get more comfortable at elevation. Like if we're going to the top of the gondola at nine thousand feet, and I'm I'm definitely uncomfortable being in a less oxygen environment however you want to say that like there there is you can definitely tell there isn't as much oxygen that high up yeah and so just dealing with that it's a different discomfort it's not like trying to catch your breath or being out of breath at sea level like it's not like i've done 400 meter repeats in track and field like i've done that i've been out of breath it, it burns and it hurts but it's a lot different when you're just walking and you know that there's less oxygen in the air and you've been climbing for an hour and a half and you're just feeling like this kind of empty emptiness growing in you. It's <laughs> so dark. Honestly, you just feel it like coming out and you're like, there is less. Yeah. Every step I take, there's less. And it was only 9,000 feet. People do mountains all the time that are well over 10,000 that are super high. And I have never been this high up elevation, like going to sleep at 6,000 feet. That is high elevation for my body. Like I've never Mm -hmm. been at this elevation before. And so I think just getting more time to adapt to that, um, would benefit me. Like, I'm sure if I went up today and did that gondola, uh, trail, the wildflower trail, like I would probably do better than I did yesterday just having those extra hours being at this elevation yeah and having the knowledge of like okay like you're gonna kind of feel like not the greatest it's gonna hurt a little bit it's not like a burning but it's just kind of like you feel like you have less inside when you're at that high elevation and dealing with that because it's only the middle is twelve thousand feet which is high middle is twelve thousand eight hundred but nearly 13 yeah yeah and so that's 3000 that's oh that's almost 4000 more feet higher than i was at 9000 mm-hmm. so thinking about that that's a that's a lot that's the entire that's more than the elevation gain that i had going from jackson hole to the gondola do that again and i'm at the middle and so thinking about just what that would feel like i need to kind of wrap my head around that yeah it's um it's no joke is what i'm saying it's no joke it's It's like you do the motion of breathing but you don't get any relief yeah in your lungs because you have that 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 like lack of oxygen burn when you like hold your breath or something yeah and that but then when you or even if you're like sprinting but then you take a brig you know and then oxygen fills your lungs and they do what they're trying they need to do and then you're fine and i'm big on nasal breathing like mm-hmm. um always breathing through my nose no matter what when i go to sleep when i'm sleeping i'm breathing through my nose uh when i'm just like daily life always through my nose and so that just trying to help performance in sports whenever i go on a run i try and do the entire thing completely nasal breathing and that's because just 
as humans, we're built to, you can read up on it, we're built to breathe through our nose the whole time. Like the mouth is meant for eating, the nose is meant for breathing. Yeah, who's the who's the Rogan guest that did, talked about this? There was a guy really recently that did. Dr. Something, and then there was a guy who wrote a book a number of years ago who wrote about it too. And so that's kind of like the most current research on what's out there for breathing. I know Brian McKenzie at uh, you know the company that he founded, I'm blanking on the name, but he's big on just the power of breath. I think it's actually called the art of breath and just the power of nasal breathing, expanding your diaphragm, strengthening your diaphragm, and using that instead guy? of always breathing through your mouth. Yeah, this might be it. James Nestor. James Nestor. Yeah. Wrote a so book. Yeah. Go watch the episode of Joe Rogan with James Nestor. 1506. 1506. Yeah. So he w- he was going to write, it was some, some like meditative breathing book. And he actually found this research about how uh, the, f- the fact that like modern humans, we breathe through our mouths too much, yep. mouths too much. And it's, it's like forming, it's reforming our jaws and our facial features to be, have like bigger mouths. Yeah. It changes our facial features, metabolism, everything. Yeah. We're, we're meant to breathe through our nose. So getting back to how that relates to our hike, I navel, I breathed out of my nose probably for the first like two miles. <laughs> when I had to start breathing out of my mouth, I knew that I was kind of in a different element at that time yeah and i knew that i was kind of getting like okay i can run three miles breathing through my nose i'm comfortable whatever when i just start breathing through my mouth i kind of realized like i'm I'm kicking it up and it's uh it's different up here i can't take in as much i yeah i think i think i need to get whatever that surgery is where you clear out your thing because i broke my nose in like eighth grade yeah i needed on my less my left nasal yeah is what is that called they literally they literally it's a deviated septum yeah that's what it's called and you have to like undeviate it (laughs) no but like it's just called like deviated septum surgery yeah and they have to kind of straighten it out but yeah mine like the inside it points completely to the left no, not like oh. <laughs> not like the bridge of my nose, yeah. but like the inside cartilage is pushed all the way over to the left. So I have problems with nosebleeds. I have problem with breathing, congestion, uh, things like that. And so I really have to like kick out my nostrils to really get that full breath. So it looks weird when I'm running. Uh, it looks like I'm smiling because <laughs> I kind of have to like force my cheeks up to widen mm-hmm. my nostrils to yeah. actually breathe and kind of have that flexed and so it just looks super dumb when i'm running around i'm kind of like smiling uh yeah really glad this audio is going to be heavily laden with your excessive my nostril breathing your nostril breathing i'm practicing trying to figure out which one is blocked so the way i know so what happened to me was in uh, eighth grade basketball st odelia San Odelia basketball. It was the. Is that the last one? Uh, yeah, last last beer. You want to split it? Sure. It was uh, the Catholic school I went to. 
we played in a league and it was like pretty trash. So Alex Merold and I just tore it up. Like we'd, we'd both go for 25 a game. That's big for eighth grade. We were playing this team and they decided they wanted to like pass. We need one more. One more. Beer. We'll do one of these. We'll do one of these. A warm beer. Um, they decided they want to pass like across the court, you know, like from one wing to the other. Yeah. And I was over there and it was a awful pass. So I just picked it off and I went down, got a quick layup. It was fine. They went to go do it again. I picked it off again, layup again, did it a third time, layup again, literally three in a row, the exact same pass, the exact same pickoff, the exact same result. The fourth time they try it again. And I go up to do it again. And the guy I was guarding decides to just punch me in the face. <laughs> and he just punches me in the face, gets a foul. I'm like bleeding everywhere. And we just stuffed some shit up there. And it didn't seem too bad. Like some it wasn't like Vaseline and just stop the bleeding. Yeah. I mean, it was an eighth grader punching. So I, I wouldn't like concussed or anything. So I just like got the bleeding to stop and went back in. Whoever you were, you were weak as shit. Yeah. You're in that team. You guys are fucking losers. <laughs> Quit throwing me the ball. <laughs> like I, I, mean, I was a good defender, but like just throw it anywhere else. Yeah. I knew what you were doing. Um, but since then, like I've just, I've had like a nasalier voice, and like I can't, I, I can, I know the things about nasal breathing, and I try, and I, it just doesn't really like work. Right. Right. Yeah, if you definitely have, like, you know, I think if mine was worse, I think it would definitely inhibit me from even, like, trying it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, like, having run so much in high school and then not noticing it until after college, you know, five years later, after I last ran competitively, kind of trying to look back and say, okay, what was I doing back then? I think I was just breathing. I was probably breathing through my mouth. And then it begs the question, you know, could I have been faster back then? But, uh, um, yeah, I think right now just what I want to accomplish with, like, you know, coming back out here and things I want to do, that's definitely a part of it. I think a surgery or something to kind of alleviate or, or make nasal breathing better. Because I've definitely noticed just I feel better after a run nasal breathing. Like mm. I might feel like shit during the run. Like it might suck in that it is difficult to like keep that up and to be disciplined enough to nasal breathe the whole time. But when I finish, it's it's a lot better. I don't know how to describe it other than it just feels better. Well, there could be something where so the test that that this James Nestor guy talks about uh, your your O2 levels in your bloodstream are higher when you breathe through your nose, even though, like, you don't feel like there's as much air going in. The O2 levels are higher. So if you, the O2 levels are higher per breath and you're doing that for miles on end, your body loves oxygen. So just, like, doing that, the endorphins of a run, having more oxygen. Yeah. That's all factors to lead to like your body being happier with what you just did. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's important. Like I, I didn't, I didn't focus on stuff like that or like uh, I, I focused on diet when I was trying to get, get bigger for football, but now I focus on diet for other reasons for efficiency. 
And I only had to push myself to more of an extreme to, to realize what the difference was. Like I can feel, you know, if I, if I had a pop tart and go try to climb Mount glory and yeah. snowboard down it or do yeah. like a tour, like I'm dogging, I'm dying. Right. But if I do like peanut butter toast or like eggs, like, you know, good stuff. Yeah. Good fuel. Yeah. I'm like, I can kick ass. Like, I'm rolling. Yeah, my favorite breakfast is taking, go to Trader Joe's. They have something called super bread, which is a very, super like, bread. it's a very seed-heavy bread. You get mm-hmm. little, like, strips of carrot in the bread. It's Whoa. awesome. Awesome stuff. Take that, slab on sunflower seed butter, cut a banana in half, and then... Like strip it down long ways and half you are, again. You are such a hipster. Throw that onto the toast. Do you have a, that's just some, half your breakfast? Now you got to make a smoothie. Do you have some fair trade coffee with that? Uh, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. Hmm. So it's have shame. have fun landing that joke. <laughs> uh, but anyways, our live stream might have just got interrupted yeah. again. It's done. Whatever. They're all gone to bed now, anyways. No, we had, we had a bunch of listeners there. Really? Yeah. Well, they're gonna have to tune in to the episode to. Uh, yeah, I, hear I didn't know there was like I think there's like an hour limit on it. My smoothie recipe is what's next. Oh. Take a big cup, throw in a couple ice cubes and a half cup of frozen wild blueberries. Wild are better, higher antioxidants. Throw that in there with a banana. Sunflower seed butter, vanilla whey protein, and oat milk. Now, this is where you can kind of get creative. If you want to do strawberries, <laughs> if you want to do some greens, your base palette is taken care of. The flavor that's going to come through is the blueberries and the banana. Throw a little bit in extra, whatever you want. Creatine, I don't know. Let's gain some weight. Deer antler spray. Deer antler spray, whatever you want. I don't, know, I, I don't know anything about that. I just heard about it one time. Blend it up. That's breakfast. The toast and the smoothie. That's breakfast. And that's that's probably my biggest meal of the day right now. That's been a big shift in just having my biggest meal of the day in the morning because I time it so that my first call every day is at 930. Um, it goes until 10. I might have a call after that or not, but I'll usually take time at 10 a.m. to make breakfast. And that's my first meal of the day. I've been doing that too. I, I don't. I don't like. Breakfast. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm like following the intermittent fasting yeah, idea. Like Sixteen, eight, yeah. But like, I'll eat dinner, you know, six to seven p.m. Yeah. And then I won't eat. I won't eat anything until ten to, or eleven, or even some days until like an actual lunch. Right. And, and then it's like. Uh, I've been doing these breakfast tacos lately. Okay. Because I have these, those, these, uh, like, you know, corn tortillas. And I'll just be like, you know, make a couple of eggs, some cheese, jalapeno, something, something, something like that, just yeah. to get some going. But, right. but it's later. Yeah. I think like following the 16 8, I had a hard time using the Zero app, um, which is a fasting app, looking at the time. Like just waking up in the morning and be like, okay, how many hours do I have until I can eat? And like focusing on that was like really tough for me and just going, okay, take, take the basic principles of what intermittent fasting is. Don't eat too late 
before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Don't snack after dinner. Have your dinner, and that's it. And then when you wake up, don't like just start throwing food at yourself. Like kind of just do your thing, and wait a while before you eat. And then when you eat, you're like hungry. Wait until you're hungry. Actually, like feel that feeling of like yeah. I need to eat. There's nothing and wrong. There's nothing wrong with feeling hungry. Nothing wrong with feeling hungry. That's actually good for the body. Like especially since, you know, like that's your body saying, "I need." It's really a blood blood sugar alert. Is really really what it is. Right, and over time, but, but it's, that should it's, like even out. Like you know, our monkey bodies, we're saying, "Ah, oh, like get some food. We're gonna you know die." Yeah. But our monkey bodies don't realize that I have sustenance. 20 feet away. I have a pantry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that that's some people don't even realize that. They just think like, you know, I feel this thing in my stomach. It's grumbling. I've been taught, told everything. This is when I need to go stuff my face. And it's like, yeah, you're not, you're, that's not saying you're going to die. Yeah. The, the best, and it didn't apply to directly to eating, but it applied more generally is like, we're as human beings, we're operating on hardware that's meant for like 1950s computers and we're trying to like less we're trying to implement software that is like 2030s software like we're we're trying to do shit that's insane on hardware that is like pre-floppy disk and so the 16 Our our hardware i don't think is like uh actually changed for you know like thousands of years no i mean i think we've gotten humans have gotten taller and bigger because we have a lot more nutrition yeah but our our body still demands the same thing changed our brains and it's really when we yeah i yeah sorry just say like we've we've learned technology but to say we've like genetically adapted to it i'd probably say no yeah that hasn't like changed our biases and stuff so i'm i'm reading through right now um the book thinking fast and slow mm-hmm. and it's kind of all of the foundational research on just how humans think and you know we have a system one and a system two essentially system one is our intuition it's our instinct system two is multiply 24 by 48 your system two just kicked in and it had to work really hard my system two is shitty yeah so it, it your system too just try to think jesus like what how, how do i do 24 by 48 like that's like a hard problem i have the worst system two ever okay but that's your system two working you can feel it working your system one <laughs> is you know the laws of attraction and and things like that it's the instantaneous snap of fingers decision making it's the story that you tell yourself about what you're experiencing and that has not changed even as technology's changed. But what we can learn about it will hopefully like inform us in, in what we do with technology. Does that book talk about video games at all? It hasn't yet. I'm halfway through it. It could. Cause that'd be cause uh that would be system one, but there's been a lot of modern studies that say that video games help with that quick twitch decision making. Yeah. Um, and that it's like beneficial 
or something. And it'd be interesting to see if like someone that like that author who actually does real research to see what they think. I know we're getting out there and we're kind of like taking a tangent a little bit. Bro, here. this or is I'm my a, show. We can go wherever we want to go. I'm about to take a tangent. Was go there. Say, Do it. In that the soldier of the future is going to be the video game player. It's mm. the person that can take in the most diverse amount of information and have it all at their fingertips and know what to do with it. Like they are, and they might not, might not be face to face. They might be separated by a TV screen. Yeah, like drone, drone pilots are that already. Pilots. They literally use an Xbox controller. Literally. Yeah. And so you're seeing that we're pushing the limits on what can a human intake and still make decisions to execute their mission. And video games have kind of been the playground for that mm -hmm. to show us what's possible in the future. Like we've, we've put humans in a super intense simulated environment and asked them to be super great. Like there's a reason why video game players, the very small percentage can actually make money doing what they're doing because it's super difficult mm -hmm. to be that much better than like you and me. Like I can play a couple of matches on Call of Duty and my performance can go up exponentially. But when you get to the very top, like can you make those marginal gains mm -hmm. at the very top end of the curve? And and be entertaining for a viewer. Exactly. That's that's a whole different metric. There's a lot of good players that just they're not entertaining. Right. The biggest right. streamers who make, you know, fucking millions, they're like characters yeah. on top of quality gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think the next super soldier is gonna be like a Sylvester Stallone, like intriguing audiences, mm -hmm. but the skills I think will definitely translate. Isn't it funny that, you know, gr certainly in like the 70s and 80s and 90s and then when we were huh, in like early 2000s and when gaming was really getting hot, it was always seen like a laziness thing and like... No, totally. And it kind of still is. To some, to some we don't know and that to like... To some we don't know and a lot don't know. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. And even even I've experienced it. Like I play COD, and I've been called lazy for it. But yeah. I'm like sitting there, like wait, wait a fucking minute. Right. I wait. I've I hold on, hold yeah. on, just a just a minute. Yeah. I've I've climbed the middle Teton yeah. two times in one summer, and I'm being called lazy. Yeah. No, and that's the thing, right? What it's is like, going on? You know, I haven't like seriously spent any time gaming since high school probably before high school middle school like yeah. i the last gaming system i owned was a ps2 <laughs> that seriously that's a long time ago seriously so i have not consistently gamed i've never gamed online under my own gamer tag like i've never so like done that the, the games we played the other day are like that is like your first not my first but like that's one of the rare occurrences of gaming online that I've ever had. So I'm I'm very out of kind of the just the gaming sphere. But to consider la lazy people are lazy. Like a friend I've probably mentioned, maybe I mentioned him earlier, but 
mentioned definitely before to you, uh, Blake, one of our um, close friends, he is going to get his MBA and he games. But it's like the dude's getting his MBA, he's a project manager, he's an engineer, like incredibly smart individual, but he games to relax and like no yeah. one should no one should knock someone for doing something to relax. Like no one no one knocks anyone for playing solitaire uh to relax. Like I know, yeah. I my my dad watches like you know uh shitty reality two and, TV. Two and a half men yeah. like nonstop. He knows like every episode. Yeah, re, re, reruns of Taylor television. Yeah, like Taylor watches or listens to these crime crime podcasts. And right. they're like literally they were one day grilling me about gaming. And yeah. I was like, okay, until you guys have zero wasteful hobbies, you cannot talk to me about this. It's like in the At office least, when Jim like takes a stopwatch to Dwight and he's like you waste company time and he's like stop watching him yeah the whole time and it's like yeah until you do nothing that's unproductive don't tell me what i could do with my time yeah and and mine's there's a social aspect to gaming where i'm on there with like a lot of my very close friends right and it's something that has kind of come into popularity in covid have you ever heard of um uh jack what is it? jack bauer no, it's a it's like a computer game thing. No. Anyways, there's like this computer game thing where you can you like we've done it where we like this computer hosts it and then you like FaceTime someone. Yeah. And then you play this game and then the game pops up and says, you know, type in this code to join the game. And you and anybody right. can type it in on their right. phone. Right. And then they're in the game. And so you can play a game with somebody across the country. Um, that you choose is that kind of what yeah the point yeah. Is? yeah it's like it's a jack jack party tv or something like that okay so it'd be like you and i are like like let's let's do let's play some some game and, yeah. and we'll log on together or whatever and it's like these, it's like trivia or like party games kind of stuff like that i've tried to i've tried to compare this stuff to that for 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 taylor and actually for taylor's sister because her boyfriend steven games with me and you know they're basically the same person taylor and Allie. yeah so we're steven and i are having the same arguments to our girlfriends constantly i definitely would say as a married man <sighs> if you live in a one bedroom apartment don't play video games that often <laughs> i would just caution you to be cognizant of how often you play video games because the living room is the only space you have like yeah unless unless you have like a tv in the bedroom which we don't like um we just have the one tv but i could see that uh causing some friction that's taking, why i have this tv in room. here yeah but this is the only reason i have this tv in here right because yeah. i mean we have two bedrooms I and mean, this this is a bit this should be a bedroom but it's my office right uh, but we we had a couple of times where Taylor had friends over and my Xbox was in the living room and they were watching the Apple TV, they were playing music, whatever. And I just like wanted to give them space, and I but it, I didn't want to go anywhere. Right. So this is kind of my 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 spot here. So I just like exactly. independently of Taylor, just bought the TV and hung it up and whatever. And there's just it works. Yeah. <sighs> I want to talk about like the the silliness that people who don't get gaming 
you know, they'll FaceTime somebody for hours. We'll play we'll play that Jackbox TV game for hours, FaceTiming, communicating with people. But then when I'm playing a shooting game, talking to my best friends, that's laziness. And it's this weird conundrum and it, it's it's uh it's it's my situation, but I, I think it I think it's very pop a very common scenario for some reason that it's just seen as a super lazy when it's like there's like a social aspect, it's really not lazy because it's it's fair like it's very active. When I finish a game that's going it gets really crazy, like but my adrenaline's pumping, like my hands are like shaking. Well and like you said before, like it there's benefits mentally to having that reaction time. Right to processing mm-hmm. that information, making decisions, things like that, and so I think it's difficult for people to change their initial idea, their initial like thought on a subject. Like if they're all of a sudden they're led to believe that people who play video games are lazy, it's going to take a lot more information to make that person believe that video games are okay than them to find information that makes them and reinforces their belief that video games make people lazy and people who play video games are lazy. We're also dealing with like the largest uh, kind of technology shift in human history. I mean, look at, So 200 years ago, the steam engine kind of kicked off the Industrial Revolution. 1820. So modern economic times is that to now. Up until like... Really? Isn't it like... uh, Then... Pull that shit right up about a fist (laughs) from your face. And here we are back on the Ryan Brown podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it... Don't we consider... um, like the 1910s industrial revolution as a separate timepiece to the ste- like the steam revolution maybe that's actually a really good question certainly maybe no that's uh the key to podcasting right super good is call you out. say you say something affirmative with something that's uh not a definitive no so that's super you say certainly maybe certainly maybe this, this is a Joe Rogan so uh, it certainly could be a possibility. So how to be a consultant <laughs> is what Tyler just said. Anyways, and in, and in sales, we could do. They say client says client says, can we do this? Can we get this pricing? Can we do this in the contract? It's maybe a possibility. It's certainly maybe. <laughs> certainly maybe. I'll tell you, depending on how much how how much contract value I can drive out of this. Yeah. Your problem isn't a problem. It's an opportunity. Yeah, it's an opportunity yeah. for me to find you a solution. Yeah, exactly. So, And that's actually a wholesome answer. We'll actually have a separate podcast eventually on uh, the way of the consultant, kind of a little take on the art of, art of war uh, by Sun Tzu. But going off of that, what were we talking about, Tyler? Uh, we were games. talking about... <laughs> Audience, don't never Let's fear. Let's take a quick pause. Never here. fear. I am not gonna make you do that podcast. Um, 
We were talking about something, video games. Lost our train of thought. Uh, just just video games and the idea that they're considered laziness when they may or may not not be preconceived notions. Son of a gun. I have lost my train of thought. I do that like three times a podcast. That's okay. I have something to say. Say it and let me come on. Let me just say it right now that there's if, a, there's if a, I remember what I was going to say, can I come on with an addendum? It's your podcast. I'm not going to go through the work to like post it with this one. All right. Uh, we can I'll just do like a comment. post a video or yeah, something. I'll do a comment. Because there was um, something there. There's just something interesting about... I'm just having so much fun lately. You know, the comp- gaming recently, it's the social nature I get to... I live here. A lot of, a lot of my friends live in Minnesota. Right. And I get to... It's not FaceTiming because it's just... Grab me one. It's just audio, but it's audio, and we get to work towards a goal together. And the competitive nature of me and my friends that are athletes that really feeds that really feeds to us. <laughs> and Ryan is just spilling beer everywhere. And um, there's, yeah, there's no cameras going, so you're good. Do you gotta pee? No, just you're. It's fine. It's fine. Ryan's like doing hand signals over here. Can I throw uh, a paper towel? We'll do. We'll get it later. All right. So there's like the social aspect. Do you gotta pee? Just just say it, man. Yes. Yeah. Go pee. There's audience. There's like the social aspect of gaming where i'm you know in in a headset with my best friend alex very close friends that live in minnesota and then we get the communal aspect of a goal that we're trying to fight for in the game and it it is silly but we get to scratch the itch of competitive our competitive nature that we all had as as college athletes and work towards something and and it's just it's just it's a lot of fun when when you're like you got you know you know four or five guys on there they're all your buddies it's a saturday night you're having beers you haven't you're doing whatever everyone's vibing you're having a good time you're getting wins in the game you're getting kills there's just that this social togetherness that's really fun and it's it's almost it's fairly close to the togetherness that you would feel being in a room together and it almost like balances out because if you were in a room together you couldn't all be gaming at the same time and that's some gaming minutia that i'm not going to go into for you guys unless you want me to but it's it's just this this I don't know how else to explain it. There's a social aspect plus a competitive aspect that's been really fun lately, especially in this climate and being away from being away from all my closest friends. 
I love living here, obviously, but there's, you know, my best friends are, are there and I want to still see them. Um, Ryan is back now. Um, Ryan, is there anything you would like to talk about here? Where did you leave off? Because I, I did not bring back any paper towels to clean up uh, the beer that I spilled, but where did you leave off? Just talking about the social and competitive aspects of gaming and why that's that's fun for me. I mean, I definitely think that you know, we're all competitive, at least. Maybe that's what separates people, competitive and non-competitive. But I definitely think that having a competitive outlet, I don't know what you talked about, about like what kind of excites you about gaming, but... Knowing that it's real humans on the other side of the characters that you're playing against um, can definitely bring out the competitive feelings <laughs> in you. I know it did for me. Again, I don't game that often. Uh, but it definitely comes out pretty quick. Just like anything else. I mean, you see, you see success in an area. You see where limits are put down this probably directly ties back to mountain climbing. You see people who achieve a summit. I can do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out and achieve that. And you go out and do it. And in video games, it's like different, but not really. Winning in a video game is like at the very... It's not real. It's not real, but at like the very top and the percentage, it's certainly a challenge. And whether that challenge is climbing a super high amount of elevation or not, it's it's still a challenge. What, what, whatever we consider uh, a hard challenge or not, getting your black belt in jiu-jitsu is a hard challenge. Winning in a battle royale is a hard challenge, but like it's a different degree for sure. For sure. And I don't want to like mince words on that. Mm -hmm. Totally different. Totally different level of dedication. But the underlying motivation might actually be the same. Someone did it. I want to do it too. Might actually be the underlying motivation that ties a lot of those things together. Yeah. When you add the any sort of value that you could pull out of it, like monetary value out of it. You know, if you're, if we'll just say like, like my style of gaming people would want to watch. I, I could continue to put myself at risk in the mountains, film the videos I'm filming for you guys, edit those, do the things I'm doing, put myself at, in those risks. Yeah. Or I could sit right here and stream on Twitch and have as much if not more potential for revenue for income yeah with no risk like that that's that's why twitch is popular right now yeah it's definitely like the accessibility as in any business the ease that another participant can enter the market is a huge factor you know, gas stations, there's not a huge barrier to entry with a gas station. The operating model's there. 
<laughs> Everything's figured out. I'm going to go pee. The barrier to entry to opening up a bank. Com- very, very thick. Completely different. Completely different to what a gas station operating model will be. So looking at just a competitive gamer, yeah, the barrier to entry is low. But the difference between the best and the also rands are probably actually pretty high. Just like in like, you know, fucking NASCAR or some shit where everybody's kind of in the same vehicle, but the best ones win all the time because they're just better drivers. Uh, is probably closer to what gaming's like. Everybody kind of has the same gaming system everybody has the same starting factors and the best kind of come out um at the end and so like i was saying you know competitiveness maybe all drives from the same place but it's not all going to be spilled out on the same playing field i just used a nascar reference tyler's back now I used a NASCAR reference on your podcast, and I apologize if you had been on a streak of no NASCAR references, but I just used one. I've only been on a streak of no NASCAR references because that's just kind of uncommon. Yeah, I used NASCAR as all the cars are kind of the same, and the drivers who are really great actually do more well than uh, the shitty drivers. And I kind of use that with video games where... You know, the risk uh, and the barrier to entry is low to broadcast on Twitch, but uh, to be actually great, you got to be really freaking great. Just like in NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, certainly. But but the dynamic, like, so we're on YouTube right now. You could, I could stream this something right now. I could stream me gaming. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I have a capability. Yeah. That's so easy. Yeah. I could go on Facebook. We were streaming on Instagram earlier. We could have streamed all of that game. We could stream all that whatever. Why do people? Why would people watch you over someone else? Like people only have so many hours in the day to watch video game streaming. Why would they watch Tyler versus someone else? That's not really what I'm talking about, but I'll answer. Well, Answer one. Yeah, so look who's the first video on Twitch. We just went to twitch.com. Yeah. See who this is? Yeah. You can see that's a chick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's a good-looking chick who is pretty good at gaming. Crew, Cruzadar. I've seen her on TikTok. You do funny videos. Cruz, if you are if you see this, like you're, you're pretty cool. That's one reason. Attractiveness. Okay. Another reason. Super good at the game. Okay. Another reason. Funny and entertaining, separate from the game. Okay. Uh, play a wide variety of games and give watchers the insight into the games that would take them a while to achieve. Okay. Those are the main reasons. And that, and that kind of makes sense almost overall. Like, we all understand that sex sells. Funny yeah. is good. Passing on knowledge that is hard earned is great. What was what, there was a fourth one in there that you used? Uh, a lot of the a lot of the streamers they like try like a bunch of different random games, 
yeah, that you, like using... you could you could you could see what they're streaming and be right. like, oh, I want to buy that game now. Or I don't yeah. want to buy that game. So now. using what's maybe most central in the market. Yeah. So yeah, those are all game yeah, testing. That's yeah. all like pretty foundational principles yeah. in business. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about was that just that how cool it is that the barrier for entry on something like Twitch is so low. Yeah. Like these major streamers now they have sponsors and they're all a lot of them that's their main gig now and that's super cool. Like that wasn't even a thing yeah five years ago. Right. You don't need anything major to get going. If you're you're someone who can figure it out, look like you see this this thumbnail? Yeah, so yeah. She has her face in it, she yeah. has the gameplay, and you can move the face around a little bit, and that's it. And then you have the audio. Yeah. All you gotta do is figure that out. Post to some other social medias. I would suggest TikTok because of the organic reach. But you can post to other social medias. And you can gain a following, a real following that people just want to watch you play video games. And if you can have one of the things we just talked about, you can make it happen and yeah. dedication. Uh, and that's really cool. That's a big piece, isn't it? Like Playing video games. Think, think about yourself. How many episodes have you had on this podcast? This is this is 36. Or, or 37. Committing to 36 of anything. <laughs> is a stretch like roughly I'm, like 36 over 36 hours of i'm i'm sure entering. there's numbers out there on the amount of podcasts doesn't matter the amount of podcasts that have been recorded over like 25 episodes matters a lot more because it's probably a much smaller number yeah like doing 30 of anything is <laughs> is difficult so i think like talking about these gamers like how do we how do we get to know who this person is? How do they get more views? Is that they accrued views in the past and they built up a following and they just like you said, use the word dedicated, dedicated themselves to doing it every single day. Yeah, this is thirty six. Yeah. So Here we go, thirty six. That's a good. That's a good point, though. Um, there is some statistic. I think. I mean, I think somebody. I think probably Joe Rogan said there's like seven hundred thousand podcasts. Yeah. Out there in America, I've heard a lot of the same from Seth Godin. Yeah, and then he said something along the lines of that. The vast majority of them don't make it past ten episodes. Yeah. So that was my beginning goal. I was yeah. just like, just. Let me just plan out 10 episodes right. and see if I like doing it. Yeah. And we'll reevaluate then. And it got pretty just busy, hot and heavy at 10 episodes where I was just like, we'll just keep rolling them. Yeah. Like it's it's really fun for me. Obviously I like talking to my friends, but I I really enjoy meeting someone new and just have them come over and we talk about their thing, their business, why they're here, the stuff. And I get to just learn about a new person and record it because th- not, these people wouldn't just sit here and talk to me for, for an hour. 
right if it wasn't this sort of scope and it kind of takes that hour to really break down like the barriers that each person has and it, yeah you open up so much after the first hour like yeah. uh so much comes out after that period of time i mean we're just we're just chilling having beers you know and like we were saying during one of the breaks like we were great friends we've known each other for over a decade and i don't think we've ever chatted this long without a break Mm -hmm. we've just never like gone into all this kind of stuff without a break like we'd always oh yeah we chat a little bit watch some tv chat a little bit watch some tv you know it's not this uninterrupted stream of just chit chat and obviously now that you live in Jackson. I live in Minnesota. We haven't really seen a ton of each other since you moved out of state. Like, there's a lot to uh, to catch up on. And that we're still kind of, like, learning about each other, you know? Because, like, you're definitely living... Um, you're living out, like, your truest self being out here. Like, what you've talked about this week. Like, this is kind of what you are meant to do. The energy, the vibe everything about Jackson is kind of how you're like naturally flowing day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of getting to hear about that is completely new to me. Right. Like during high school, it was all about who likes the cabin. Like let's go up North for the weekend. Like that's all we want to do. And now it's like, what do you guys want to do today? And what do you want to do today? The options are endless. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot in this, uh, that's been really fun. Um, yeah, I've certainly changed since moving here, but I feel like I've changed to like, uh, feel, feel more like just comfortable. Like I love going to my cabin, Yeah, but being here and i told this to you earlier this week it's like i can i can walk into any situation any you know bar brewery grocery store shop uh ticket office at the resort wherever i can walk in and somehow it's conveyed that i live there or start talking with the people, whatever. And I immediately like fit in or connect with that person. Yeah. And it's just I, I'm more, I've, it's been happening since I moved here, but I've noticed it more recently. It's just like, I can just walk into anything and just be like, you know, I can connect with someone immediately. Yeah. Because there's like, you know, the six activities we all do here. And, Everyone has their main things, but there's some connection over the any of the other ones. And everyone's really like, everyone everyone here is so open to just all the different types of lifestyles. And mine's not even that weird. Like mine's like have a career, have dogs, you know, mountain bike, hike, do the things, ski, snowboard. 
and there's a lot of other weirder ones. So when I say like that's what I do, it's it's v- people are very welcoming to that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing to me. I don't know what the numbers are, but the fact that there are just people that they live in their van to experience the season. Yeah. At first, it's like, okay, holy shit, like that's kind of insane. But then you spend a long weekend here and you're like, you know what? Like, how does does that person make that work? How do they shower? Okay, okay, they figure it out. How do they do all this other stuff? Okay, okay, they figure it out. And you kind of almost work backwards because you get like, after a long weekend here, you kind of get why people go to the extremes they go to to be here. Yeah. Like, to just be here. To be within a quick drive from all of this, you get it. You get it. And I think there's, like, an understanding between people who are, again, this is me as an outsider looking in. People living here who were raised here, who continue to live here, who move here, who grew up here, who came here every once in a while, but now live here, they get why they're here. Like people in bigger cities and other places in the country that I've been to for work, they're just kind of there. They're like, well, I'm in New York. It's close to where people tell me I should be, do what I want. Well, in Tampa, Florida, uh, it's a nice place and uh, yeah I guess I'll stay here but That's very Jackson insightful. it's like people make the conscious decision to stay or leave and a yeah. lot of people it seems like make the decision to come here and stay and that's really neat because you get that energy like at people you meet you just get that energy and it's really cool yeah that's that's a very insightful thought that I, I've talked about this before. It's so hard to live here for more than a season that the people that do 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 live here more for more than a season, they really love it and really have a reason to do it. Yeah. So they're always like in a good they're always happy. Yeah. Because their drive is to be here and it's and it's working out. Yeah. When you when you bump into someone who's like, you know, not feeling that it's worth it, you know, they're not even in their a full twelve months here. They're gonna leave. They're gonna leave within the next season. Yeah, and it's super noticeable. So those people that have been here for a while, they're so much. They're so much fun because they love the community so much. Yeah. You've met who? Have you, who have you met out here? Not that many people. Pretty much, honestly, uh, everybody at Snake River. And one well, person, Luke and Elliot, one they, person that still works. Luke is for sure that example. He's been like here and gone like three times, and yeah. then keeps like forgetting and realizing how special it is here. Yeah, like he'll be like, ah, I want to move to like Colorado, and he yeah. goes there, and then yeah. he like moves back, and now he's finally here, and you know, loving it. And who else? The well. Was that all the guys at uh, Snake River? Because yeah, Elliot guy, and Luke were the, the one, two main. The one guy that still works. I met today. Other yeah. Than that, I don't know much about bike story, but 
other than that, Chaz and Trav are good are great stories. They're you know they come here, they do the stuff for a while. They you know, but they were like fish. Uh, Chaz was a fishing guide for a while. You know, random jobs. Then they they decide we want to build something here, grow something here, put roots down. Yeah, and now they've been here. That's that's also thing. a thing that kind of amazes me is that you know we talked about it right away. I chose accounting because it was stable, because like I didn't expect to do short stints anymore. I kind of expected to put down roots at a company and and build up from there, which I'm now realizing I kind of want to like jump back and forth and kind of figure things out as I go and and (laughs) whatever. Looking at people who accept doing the hard, very, you know, shortened timeframe jobs just to be here, you know, they, they do construction or they do something that's just very uh, small defined time frame just to be here, to ski, to, to be here on the powder days. Um, you definitely appreciate a place more for that. Yeah. It's, it's not, I know there's a lot of tourists here, but I can imagine that the tourism is probably worse in other places in the disrespect level. I feel like people kind of respect uh, the Tetons. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's the, how I see it as certain, a person. That's a good point. There's certainly a reverence. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's been a good job by some marketing person. They're dangerous. And that dangerousness is, is definitely marketed. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Because we, when like, you know, COVID shut everything down. Don't fuck with bears. Don't fuck with bears in the winter. Don't fuck with super steep slopes. Yeah. Don't fuck with bears or avalanches. We had like a lot of uh, rescues in the winter when COVID hit and everyone started just going to the backcountry. Rescues? Uh, like, yeah, people had to get rescued out of the oh, backcountry. Oh, like people. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they'd go out there without knowing what they're doing and they just need to be rescued. Like oh. I told you, we rescued someone. You rescued did I, did someone? I tell you, did we tell you that? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you covered this on the podcast before? Yeah, I think I have. So Jeff and Cove and I, we climbed Mount Glory, which is on the pass, I pointed out. And you you typically park (sighs) at the top of the pass and you hike up Mount Glory and you can ski. You can ride down a couple of major routes. And we went down the uh, Coal Creek route, which is like towards the Idaho side. It's a it's a longer ride, and we had a car at the bottom, so we could ride back up to my to get to my car. We ride down, super sick. Dogs are there, everything. And then you like kind of take this like like track like goat track back to the parking lot. You just kind of like it's not like vertical. It's just like rolling between trees and things. Huh. I am yawning. It is been a long day, but I'll finish the story. And we're going, and then, and I'm behind Jeff and Cove, and this chick just runs out from the woods and is like waving us down, like saying how exhausted she is. Like she's just running, running in like eight feet of snow. Yeah. 
and she's like my friends left me up there like i got lost i'm so thirsty can you help me and we like we get her like some water gatorade and food and guide her out and and like it was really weird because none of her story didn't really add up yeah and like none of her friends were there at the top when when we brought her back to her car her car was illegally parked on the pass with like out of state plates there's like all these things leading up to be just like that she just didn't know what she was doing and just got lost yeah which happens and yeah so we like kind of helped her get out of there it's crazy um how people kind of just walk into situations like that like i we hiked wildflower i had 100 feet of paracord just in case i had a multi-tool just in case i had a emergency bivy sack just in case you had emergency bivy sack on you yeah i had water purification tablets it's just things that like i had a mirror and a compass like guys it's easy insurance and that isn't the place that's not the place you need them no it's not the place you need it when we're hiking to a four-star restaurant but that isn't the place you need them. but if i had at every opportunity the ability to say oh yeah this is the time that i really need a survival kit there is a probability that I wouldn't say that at the start and I would actually need it in a situation. There's a probability. No, you learn it. There's an off chance. There are hikes and bike rides that I bring more supplies on than others. And the ones in the village are not the ones I bring the stuff on. I don't think I did any harm bringing stuff on it. No. No, you did a lot of good. But I get what you're saying. I didn't need to. Yeah. But that's not anybody's that's not your fault. Like yeah. you would know though you would know that. It's just what I doing have all it. the time. But it helped because we made little dog leashes out of uh paracord. paracord. Yeah. But man, this has been it's been good. You wanna talk about anything else? No, I'm good. I'm getting tired. We should wrap this up. I gotta pack. I gotta yeah, you guys leave leave in the morning. Um I think that's all we have. Uh, go drink some Snake River beer. Yeah. Really sorry about that little section in the episode where I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> Had a huge point coming. Don't ever apologize for anything. Well, to the listeners, I'm not sorry. If you like the live stream, let me know on Instagram. Yeah, actually. And, because... we'll keep do- and I'll keep doing it because it's not a lot. I-, I have the mount for my phone. Like It's not a lot for me to do. Yeah, I think it was pretty sweet. I guess seeing it, seeing it like looking in, I uh, I think it was pretty sweet. You let us know. Uh, we have now completed the beer pyramid. The, the pyramid. We have Snake River building the base, another brewery taking the peak. Yeah. Yeah. So another episode. Thanks to Snake River for providing the beer which provides these conversations. Thank you, Snake River. They're a great partner. Uh, I'm blown away that I get to work with 
a brand like them and Jackson, if you would have told me years ago that I'd be doing a podcast sponsored by, supported by Snaker for Brewing. The most awarded brewery. The most awarded small brewery in America and a Jackson Hole staple. I would be blown away. So I always need just need to reiterate that. You probably are sick of me saying that, but it's outstanding. Um, thanks, everyone. Another episode down. Ryan Brown. Ryan, thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for coming to Jackson in general. Thank you. All right, folks. Have a good week. Goodbye.